Hello and welcome to episode 779 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Wednesday, February 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I am joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm ready for hour two of 17 on our outfield preview. Wait, was that again? We're about to start hour two of our 17-hour oh, yeah, preview yeah, yeah. Of, of the outfield, right? Yeah, so we ran some technical issues. As I uh, alerted you, I wonder how many heard it at the very beginning. I put, I put a little notice at the beginning of the episode and at the very end. And I'm sure uh, it was kind of half and half. I'm sure some people have it to like, you know, start a minute and a half in right off the rip because, you know, they know it's going to be the intro music and they don't, you know, they're going to dive right in. But I started it right there, letting them know what, what was going on. So I'm sure some people missed that and heard it at the end. I explained that we ran into technical issues. So we're doing a mega episode here because we've got so many outfielders to cover. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of groups. Obviously, we won't be able to talk about everybody, but we'll get into as many as we can. So let's just dive right in. We've got a couple groups. You actually put one together. It said uh, a little bit of everything or just power. So I broke them up. One's a little bit of everything, and then we'll get to the just power. This group uh, starts with Victor Robles at around pick 60, Tommy Pham, 72, Ramon Laureano, 77, Luis Roberts, 78, Jeff McNeil, 97, Eddie Rosario, 99, Andrew Benintendi, 109, Oscar Mercado, 117, Danny Santana, 127. Let's just start right at the top here because Victor Robles is definitely one of those polarizing players. I've heard some folks say they're fully out. And that they're not they're not paying the premium no matter what. Others, like myself, are kind of are, are chasing him um, and and seeking out the services of Victor Robles. Where do you fall? Kind of in between. <laughs> I hate straddling the fence with that, but uh, at first I was very anti. But we took him in labor, and I agreed to do it, which meant I had to pass up on my boy Malix. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, he was so good in the second half for fantasy. Just, uh, what, 16 steals, four home runs. Uh, you got to think now they're not going to bat him at the bottom of the lineup anymore? Hopefully not. Uh, that would be the hope, right? Uh, I mean, he's put up, you know, decent enough numbers. You would think they'd want him, maybe not even towards the top, but at least higher than eighth. So... I mean, in what was not his best showing, he hit 17 home runs and stole 28 bases. Like, see, that's 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 what makes me so excited. Is like, yeah, it, it there were flaws in it. You know, he didn't strike the ball very well. You know, and so when people are saying, well, you know, look at Robles's stat cast, and he didn't hit it all that well. Yeah, and he still went 17 and 28. So, if I only get a repeat of that, I'm fine. Even if Let he, a, even if he, even if he takes a step back, you're still fine. Yes, and then let alone, of course, the fact that he could possibly build upon it. So that's that's what intrigues me about Victor Robles. Is I grant that it was not some off the charts excellent season, and it was still seventeen twenty eight with uh, eighty six runs and sixty five ribbies, and you know two fifty five average. Not all that great, but uh, you know everything else. Pretty solid. He was the 77th player last year. So I'm willing to take him at ADP 60 
um, and and feel like okay, just give me a repeat at the very at the very worst, and I'm gonna be fine. So I'm excited about Victor Robles. I'm definitely gonna be taking him. Obviously, like you mentioned, we have him in labor. So I'm gonna get more shares too. Yeah, that may be my only share, but I'm okay with that. All right, let's keep moving on then. And uh, the next guy on this grouping here is um, Tommy Pham. Obviously going to have a new ball club. And does that change your outlook on him at all, moving from Tampa Bay to San Diego? No. I mean, he's played in the National League before, so the pitchers he's going to see, he's seen a number of them already. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's had, what, three straight seasons with at least 20 home runs three straight seasons with at least 15 stolen bases, and two of those seasons he had 25 stolen bases. Uh, I think he is a pretty good bet to repeat what he did last year. Yep. I, I really couldn't agree more with Tommy Pham. I think he's actually been kind of uh, become maybe like a little bit of a boring pick where people are just kind of taking him, and it's, it's ho-hum. I'm plugging in, you know, 2015, as you mentioned, with a chance for more. You know, he did he did battle through and, and play 654 plate appearances last year, a career high. Injuries have definitely been something that have uh, been prevalent throughout his career. I'd probably put my projection back down in the high 500s and work off of that. But as you mentioned, he was able to do those, those uh, homer and stolen base totals, despite the fact that his plate appearances are 530, 570, and 654 the last three years. And that San Diego lineup is going to be solid. Um, right now, Roster Resource has him in between Tatis and Machado. It's a great spot at the number two uh, hole of, of San Diego, so I'm all for it. I think Tommy Pham is a perfectly solid pick at pick 72. Definitely down to get some shares of him, and we'll see how drafts play out uh, as to whether or not I do, but uh, I'm, I'm on board at this cost. Are you higher on the next guy in Ramon Laureano? Because I know you have been like his like biggest fan. So you're probably going to miss am. out on a lot of fam because you're just going to go with Laureano instead. That, that That's exactly right. And uh, that's specifically why I said, you know, we'll see how drafts play out as to whether or not I'm going to get much fam uh, because Laureano is definitely going to be the guy I would take there. Really happy with how things turned out last year as he was somebody I was, I was hyping up, big breakout type. And, um, you know, injury kind of, Stunted him a little bit, but still went 24-13 with a 288 average, 79 runs, 67 ribbies in just 123 games. You know, he's got the the lockdown on center field out there. Would like to see him improve his defense a little bit, which I know might stun some folks because you're used to seeing his flashy plays. He makes the flashy play. He needs to start making the easy play because I do worry that if, if he has another year like he did last year, there may be a few extra days off as as kind of like wake up you know wake up calls for him because it is weird some of the flubs that he had in center field when you look at some of the amazing plays that he had but all in all i'm not too worried about that i do think that was kind of a blip and uh, we know what his arm can be like so i think the defense will be fine and the hitting really impressed he backed up that 48 game sample that he had in 2018 and ron Laureano was really sharp and I think there's some stolen base upside here. Now, a lot of that comes down to desire. I know that. That's that's always the case with uh, with stolen bases. So we need to you know see, see what he does. But uh, 13 for 15 after a 7 for 8 in his debut, I really feel like Loriano could get 25. And if it, you know full season, could be 30, 25 for the homers and stolen bases. So I'm still a big Loriano fan. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm as high on him as you, but I think his job is pretty safe, and uh, he does make some careless mistakes in the outfield, but overall, he's a an above-average defender, uh, and I think mm-hmm. he probably has the potential to be a plus defender if he can kind of work out some of those kinks. Uh, and similar to his teammate Matt Chapman, that'll keep him on the field, uh, even when he struggles offensively. And I think that's a really important part because uh, not every guy is like that. Some guys are going to struggle offensively and they're going to hit the bench for a while uh, or yep. or lose their job. And I don't think Loriano's in real danger of that. Plus, I don't really think there's a whole lot in terms of uh, guys that can really overtake him in Oakland right now. I mean, yeah, I, I tend I tend to agree with that uh, again because of the dynamic uh, offerings that his uh, that his profile has. Um, you know, we we talk about the defensive flubs here and there, but he can still make such electric plays, power, speed, everything's there in Loriano's game. He's very safe, and you know how I like players that uh, have defense that guarantees them their playing time. They also have kind of a roster crunch in Oakland where they've got bunch of guys who either can't be sent down to uh, minors because they're vets or out of options so yep uh, unless they're going to send Loriano down which I just don't see happening uh, they, they're not going to like bring up a Dustin Fowler type to take his spot uh, yeah he'd have to melt down like he'd have to have a you know four week you know month long just 400 OPS type of thing. It'd have to be meltdown city for Loriano. So I agree with you. He's quite secure. And that, that uh, is another reason why I'm interested in him for sure. Next up, one of the most, uh, you know, highly regarded prospects of the year. And, and one of the, one of the guys I'm keeping the closest eye on his draft price, Luis Robert. He's at 78 here on the ADP. And, uh, you know, once he got that deal, uh, where, where he was signed before he ever played in the majors. We knew the price would, would skyrocket, and it has. I think he was in the early 100s to start draft season. Now he's firmly in that 70 to 85 range, and I could see him going up even more. Once spring hits and, and people start seeing him and and really takes that jump up because of the power speed capability, I have, I have some concerns. I have lots um, of concerns. I, you know, I, I like him, and I'm I'm hoping that he hits the ground running because the, the profile is electric, and he was so great last year in the minors that, um, you know, it could be a lot of fun to see. But there, you know, there's a strikeout and walk uh, situation there where, he, you know, he strikes out a decent bit, doesn't really walk. That can that can breed that volatility, man. And if, if he gets... He gets hemmed up in his first time through the majors. All of a sudden, you know, he gets in a in a big funk, and the uh, the thirty thirty that people pay for goes by the wayside here. So, obviously, at pick eighty or um, what was it say seventy eight? Yes, at pick seventy eight for Robert, you need performance. You are paying a premium for performance. You can't really afford to uh, kind of watch him grow here. And I think that's going to price me out a bit on Robert. I may get the token share just in case he pops off, but I'm not even so certain on that. Where, where do you come out with him? Yeah, I doubt him to end up with any shares of Robert. And it's just because the floor is low. Uh, that being said, like, I think he's probably going to be fine. I think he's going to hit for power. I think he's going to steal some bases. I just don't like the projection systems love him. 
Oh yeah, it's yeah it, ridiculous. I just don't. I mean, he's not gonna. He's he's never seen major league pitching, so there's gonna be you know he strikes. He's gonna strike out too much. He doesn't walk. I just think that that makes him very unsafe. Uh, but I think he's like a Mondesi type player. It's like he's kind of a boomer bust. Uh, and if he can make enough contact, which he's shown the ability to do in the minors, mm-hmm. he has a chance of really busting out. It's just not going to be on my team, especially with the guys going around him. If he was going like 30 picks, 40 picks lower, I would probably be in on him. But like, I'm not taking him over Max Muncy. I'm not taking him over Nelson Cruz. Like, I, Even Joey Gallo, I'm not taking him over them. I just, It's just not... I, I don't think that's proven. Over- for me, I mean, you know, there's somebody we just talked about um, in Tommy Pham, not even Ramon Laureano, in Tommy Pham, who's right there. And are we not basically hoping that Robert puts up a Pham season? You know, because I don't think it's wise to to expect 30-30. And I don't think most people are, to be fair. I don't want to pretend like everyone's coming out saying, oh, he's going to go 30-30. Because if they were expecting that... He'd be going top 30 picks. Um, but, yeah, for those that, you know, look at Robert's season last year, it was 32 homers, 36 stolen bases, 108 runs, 92 ribbies, 328 average. Brilliant season across high A, double A, triple A. I understand folks are not just imprinting that onto the major leagues, but I think they're looking at a fam season or even a Loriano season. So you got two guys right there who've done something in the majors. One guy with several seasons in fam, another guy who has at least one full season or full-ish last year for Loriano. Why wouldn't I just take those two? Well, what can I realistically expect Robert to do more than those guys? What, where does he have any upside that's higher than them? I don't think so. I think some people would say yes, based strictly on the fact that he's young and hasn't done anything yet. And I think too often people tie upside to unknown. And I I think it it causes guys to be overinflated. And I think Robert is one. So like I said, I may catch the token share, but even that is, is a a real maybe right now. So, um, that this price is is just too high, and if he really does creep up in draft season, then I won't even get the token share of Luis Robert. So, um, all right, let's move on to Jeff McNeil. He's actually going to be the, I believe, full time third baseman. Didn't we talk about him at third base? I think we probably did. I'm trying. Yeah, so we can we can move on there. Um, you know, you're going to get your batting average, uh, some pop, you know, some solid pop. He's not he's not a drain there or anything. But it's nice batting average this, at this point in the draft. Um, quality runs. He should be in the upper part of the lineup. And, you know, just a solid player. No, nothing that knocks your socks off, I don't think, with, with Jeff McNeil. But I like him. And I'm, I'm definitely in on him. And I could put him at third or outfield. Let's just move on to Eddie Rosario then. Pick 99. Rosario was part of the, uh, the big explosion with this ball club last year. Everyone was going off. Rosario was one of them. He, uh, he jumped up his homer total to a career-high 32 with 109 ribbies, 276 average. This is a guy who he's always gotten heat because he doesn't walk. But the reason that I've always been like, okay, well, I, I get that, but shouldn't he get credit for not striking out too? Like, I, I, I care less about the fact that you don't walk when you don't strike out. Now, granted, he has evolved his strikeout rate. 
when he first came up, he struck out too much, 25% against a 3% walk. That that was untenable. But the last three years, it's been 18, 18, and 15%, making his 4 to 6% walk rates fine. Like I, I would like him to maybe walk more, but it's not part of Rosario's game. And I think it's one of those things where – Another flaw that we make in the baseball community at times is inferring that walks are inherently good no matter what. That that if we just imprinted them on every player, they would make them better. Well, what if doing that to Rosario made him more passive and and messed him up? You know, I, I think the way he plays works. I am perfectly fine with him as is. I'd probably back off his home run total a little bit just because it's coming off a career high. But if I got another 26 to 29 homers with 85 plus ribbies. I'm fine. Although I'll, I will say the 32 109 came in 137 games. So he didn't even play a full season for that. Rosario did really well last year. What do you see for an encore out of him? I think kind of more of the same mid to high 20s home runs, a handful of stolen bases, 280 batting average. He's got one of these profiles that boggles the mind a bit. <laughs> just because, like, like you said, doesn't walk, doesn't strike out, but swings out of the zone just a ton. Forty-five percent O swing percent, or forty-six yeah, percent. He makes contact, but yeah, yeah it, like it, just his O taxable. contact is seventy-five percent. Like that's that's crazy. It's incredible. Yeah, like that that tells you the kind of control that that he has, and and Rosario knows what he can get to, and he and he still makes solid contact out of the zone because. You can't maintain the, the kind of two, 280 career average that he has with that kind of swing and miss, out, or not uh, that kind of swinging out of the zone if you're not making some good contact out of the zone. So, yeah, I, I've stopped worrying about what he can't do and, and just enjoying what Eddie Rosario does do. And he's turned himself into a steady, you know, just quality number two outfielder that you're happy to plug in and, and move on, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I don't think there's much room for growth or anything, but... I no. think, yeah, I mean, 27 to 30 home runs type deal and good average. And, I mean, he's one of those power-only guys that uh, doesn't hurt you in the batting average department. Hurts you in the on-base percentage department. Only a 300 off-base sure. percentage last year. Yeah, but... ch- change him, lower him in, in your OBP leagues for sure. But in standard 5x5, five five, Eddie Rosario is perfectly fine where he is. I got no problems with that. And... This offense is going to be every bit as good as it was last year, I think. I know they had some historical uh, performances. They may be even better, though, because of, um, you know, adding Josh Donaldson and, you know, some growth from some of these guys that they have. They they could be even better or just as good as they were last year, meaning if Rosario stays healthy, plays a buck 50, he could go 100-100 with his pop and and, um, a 280 average. So he's... He could be a four-category guy with a little chip-in stolen base contribution, nothing crazy, like five or six, and you're loving what you're getting there on a pick 99 from Eddie Rosario. The one thing I will say before we move on on, uh, Rosario is he was truly atrocious defensively last year. That has become a a bit of a bugaboo for him, and we have to see is that going to improve or is it going to continue to steadily decline. Maybe it starts to cost him. Maybe it, it might not even be outward in terms of lost uh, starts, but maybe defensive replacement stuff. So he loses those those extra at-bats at the end of games regularly, 
and that cuts into his volume, even if he does stay healthy. You know, it, it, it's a small thing, but it could definitely be something that starts to hurt him if they if they bring in you know somebody else for defense in the uh, seventh eighth inning for for uh, Eddie Rosario. Also, they could bring up Alex Kirilov towards like the latter half of the season, uh, and if he if. Uh, if Kirilov is you know hitting the cover off the ball in AAA and Rosario is hurting the team defensively, we could see you know some sort of situation where Kirilov starts to cut into his playing time as well. True, though they seem destined to put Kirilov at first, and so but they can't now that they've signed Sonoto a long term deal. I, I agree with that. That's that's why I'm a little bit nervous on Kirilov. I was doing my uh, closer look on the Twins yesterday, and I wanted to put him as my prospect bat. But it seems like they're committed to not putting him in the outfield. We'll see. Uh, you know, things can change and, and circumstances can force you into something. And like you're saying, if Rosario, you know, say his bat comes back to the pack like a decent bit. And, and let's be clear, for as good as he was as a fantasy guy last year, that 300 OBP brought him down to a 103 WRC+. plus. So it's not like he was off the charts excellent with the offensive production from a real-life baseball standpoint. If that's muddled, if he's more in that average range with poor defense, maybe they do say, okay, let's put Kirilov back in the outfield. I think right now, though, he's, he's quite safe. Uh, we just have to keep an eye on the defense for uh, for Eddie Rosario and make sure that he's not out there you know, getting minus, minus 20 defensive runs saved or something because then he would have to come off the field. All right, let's move on to Andrew Benintendi, who – you know, really disappointed folks last year. He was a high pick. Uh, there were expectations through the roof for him, and he put out a really bland season. Uh, it was not good. 13 homers, 10 stolen bases, 68 ribbies, 72 runs, 266 average. That is a wet part of a season if I've ever seen one. And, you know, I look at Benintendi in 17 and 18, and I I do understand where some of the excitement came from, but it always felt a little high. I'm not just saying that on the heels of a bad season to be like, ah, I knew it, I told you so. Because I didn't, I didn't see that bad of a season coming in 19. But I do wonder if even the name value is still keeping him a little bit higher than he should be now at pick 109. I don't know. Like, was that a blip and he's going to get back on track? Or is this in line with who he is? Because... Again, you look at WRC plus 102, 122, 100. So basically two average seasons with the 122 sandwiched in. Now the first of those in 2017 came with 20, 20, 90 ribbies, 84 runs. So like Rosario, despite being an average bat production-wise, he was a, a fantasy asset for sure, Benintendi was. But he cut the stolen bases in half last year. And, and the counting categories went way down. That lineup will still be good. He's penciled in at the top right now, a roster resource. If he gets that spot, I think I'm more intrigued because the runs should be there, even if he just repeats the 343 OBP he had last year. But I'm a little torn on Benintendi. I, I don't really know what to think. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts here. I lean toward passing on him at this current cost. Yeah, I'm probably going to pass on him too. I do think that if he's leading off, that obviously helps his you know run scored potential uh, and probably his stolen base potential. But I don't understand why they wouldn't just lead off Bogarts. Uh, I mean, I just 
I, I would prefer to have him at the top of the uh, the lineup personally. I think I think they believe in Benintendi, and he does have the good OBPs. And I think they're saying, hey, he's going to get back on track and, you know, be... Maybe uh, that two-year extension. So uh, I guess they believe in him, so we need to believe in him a little bit. I'm, I'm not, still not paying the price. Too many guys around him I like yep. quite a bit more. So, But I do think he probably gets back to, like, 15 stolen bases and, like, 17 home runs. Okay. I just don't think that that's super valuable. Yeah, well, and at that price, too, like... He could be one of those sneaky guys with the runs, though. And if he does push 95-plus at the end of the year, like let's say he is you know, 15-15, but with 100 runs and 75 ribbies, it'd be one of those where you look at it and it's not that impressive, but he winds up high on a player rater because we kind of underrate runs as, as a community. So I could see something like that for Benintendi. I'm mostly willing to let other people pay the, pay the premium, though. If he falls... I, I, I get in at some point, um, not too far from this 109.80p, but as it currently stands, I, I need I need a discount. I, I need another round or two even to look at uh, Benintendi because it is so bland uh, what we're getting here. All right, Oscar Mercado is somebody I love, and uh, you and I talked about him in our draft prep episode. He was going to be one of our uh, stolen base options here. And then we, we got Victor Robles, which kind of priced us out of, of Oscar Mercado. We realized, you know, we didn't really need to go after him. We could have, though, still, because I, I, I think there's a 2020 season here. I, I really like what we saw from him last year. I think he's pretty well developed uh, at age 25, you know, going into his age 25 season here. 269, which was nice. 15-15 with 54 ribbies, 70 runs. That was in 115 games. Obviously, playing time is not going to be an issue for Mercado. I don't even think they have three outfielders. I think they're only using two this year because they don't have anybody else. So Bradley Zimmer, baby. Hey, you know, that's interesting because I did include him on this list. We, we will talk about him later. I know that's a guy that you've been a big fan of in the past. I wonder if maybe uh, I wonder if maybe that's that's why they're not going for a Puig or something because they're saying, you know what, we're finally going to get him back. But uh, we'll talk about him later. But, yeah, Mercado penciling at, at the two spot of this lineup. I love it, and uh, like you know, speed for days. Like I said, I see 2020 potential with uh, with with 25, 25 upside. To be honest, I think he's probably more of a 15, 25 guy personally. Uh, I mean, the, the stat. Cast, I'm okay with that. Yeah, stat cast numbers a little... are impressive, but uh, I mean, outside sprint speed and his outs above average, his outfield jump, like he's a good defensive player. Uh, I think better than kind of, you know, we may have graded him out uh, in terms of his prospect status and in terms of kind of his defensive underlying metrics. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, like Loriano and like we've talked about with other, uh, you know, good defensive players, he's going to play, especially because, like you said, you're trying out for their, uh, you know, outfield uh, this spring. So I think he's going at worst to be an accumulator. Uh, and at best, you're looking at a guy that could potentially be like a 1530 guy, uh, which would be awesome. I'll take that all day. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so in. Uh, I will have Mercado shares. You know, we, we we didn't get the one that we were looking at possibly getting for labor, but I'm I'm in, and I will I will have some of this this player here because I think there's a nice season. You know, Cleveland's not getting much love. No, nor do they deserve it. They haven't had a very good offseason. But 
they still have a strong offense, uh, even even with their deficient outfield. The top five of their uh, of their lineup, even six. I like Cesar Hernandez. I actually thought that was a pretty decent signing. It is nice. And Mercado, if he does bat right there in between Lindor and Santana, that's a cushy spot. So I'm a fan. Let's go on to this next guy here because he's definitely going to be somebody that uh, could really decide some drafts for people because Danny Santana had just an insane season last year that nobody could have predicted. And this is one of the uh, the beauties of baseball is just these out-of-nowhere seasons that you're like, how the hell did Danny Santana literally emerge from nowhere, uh, played 15 games in 2018, had a career had a career 667 OPS with 13 homers total in 11.65 plate appearances coming into last year. How did he come out of nowhere for 130 games with 28 homers, 21 steals, 283 average, 81 ribbies, and 81 runs? Where the hell did that come from at age 28? Uh, he was finally healthy and got some full playing time. Now, I mean, I, I think there's obviously some regression coming, but he earned a lot of what he did. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't fluky. I mean, exit velocity, 90th percentile, hard hit percentage, 78th percentile, you know, good sprint speed. Uh, like he, he, you know, his X batting average was, you know, right in line, you know, right under, you know, what he did. Um, you know, his, uh, ex, uh, Will Bacon, um, was like in the top, like 5% of the league. Like, yeah, he's going to strike out a bunch, but when he makes contact, uh, he's going to make good contact and the ball's going to fly. The question becomes, can he continue to strike out, at, you know, at the kind at of rate? 30% clip with a yeah. 4% walk rate or whatever the heck it is for Danny Santana. Yeah, that that's the hard part. Because, I mean, he crushed fastballs, but that was about it. I mean, O swing percentage of what, 42%, the swing and strike percentage of about 16%. Like, pitchers are going to start to pitch him differently, and I think he's going to have problems. Uh, that being said, there is power, there's speed, and I think he's got a role even if he struggles. Uh, so, this could obviously evaporate, but I think that he's going to get enough run to pull off, like, a, at worst, a 15-15 season, and at best, we're looking at, like, an, a 25-20 season again. I mean... He, the positional flexibility for Danny Santana certainly guarantees him a role for, for a good while, as you point out. That's what helps him. He's not locked into one position. Uh, he's not very good defensively, but he's that, that guy that, hey, slot him anywhere. So even if somebody emerges and becomes like a defensive stud in center that they have to go to, fine, we'll shift him over here for this struggling guy. Okay, then we'll shift him over here. At worst, as long as he's not completely tanking, he could become a super uh, a, a super util guy who plays every day, uh, but at a different position most days. So yeah, are you drafting Danny Santana? Absolutely not. <laughs> but at least I haven't. I'm with you, man. Like but, I'm not. I'm not what, paying this price, dude. I'm nervous. If 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 like we like, how much different is he than Luis Robert? Damn, dude. Like, that that's what it comes down to is, like, I'm, I mean, not, yeah, you I'm look probably at not drafting him, but, like, he's exactly what we kind of expect Luis Robert to be, right? Like, 
last year's yeah, at least last year. Yeah, la- last year's numbers is what the ceiling is for Luis Robert, or or pretty close to it. Correct. So like at least at least a rookie, a reasonable rookie ceiling outside of just an insane season, right? We know ceiling is somewhat unlimited or whatever, but the idea if Robert put up Danny Santana's twenty nineteen. People would be doing backflips, right? Yeah, people would be ecstatic, um, and so I always especially find if it, it was extrapolated over six hundred plate appearances. Yeah, I always find it funny when people like shit on Danny Santana, but then like you know go I'm all in on Luis Robert. Like they're the same type of player. Now, obviously different. Well, at least I didn't do that. I was clear yeah. that I'm not really in on Robert, and I'm not really in on Santana either. But I'm going to get a lot of hate after saying this. Uh, like my, my Twitter feed's going to blow up later tonight when, when people start listening to this. But it's true. Like, and, and don't get me wrong, like, Danny Santana was like a, you know, a guy that I always really liked before that car accident uh, that like, kind of really, that really derailed, derailed his, his career. I mean, right at his career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he had just signed that deal with the Braves. Uh, when in 2017, and then got in that car accident, and it, it, it destroyed his career. So I think there's a potential that he can sus- maybe not sustain what we saw last year, but like I don't think the projections are far off. They pretty much have him for 250 average in a 2020 season. Like I, I'm That's okay with pretty that. pretty fantasy viable. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're going to put batting average like I like to. That's true. You You love to do that. So... Let me see if I can find a comp for that, uh, a statistical comp for his projection that we saw in uh, last year. Um, let's see. Batting average a little too high for that guy. Uh, you know who it's close to? Close. Let me see what the counting categories are. Uh, no. It, it's close to what Will Myers did. It, it, it's like a... The projection has him for like a better Will Myers season. Let's see where Will Myers finished last year. I know, I know, it wasn't 127 though. So let's see. I mean, isn't isn't it kind of close to what Jose Ramirez did last year? Two fifty five, twenty three home runs, twenty four stolen bases. I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, those. Yeah, but those extras of each would be enough to put Ramirez a decent bit higher. But it, it's it's close. Um, and let's see where, where, where Ramirez was. He was 75th, and Myers was 235. You meet somewhere in the middle. The middle of that is not 127, but it's not that far off either. If we're being fair. So, you know, as we've investigated, I might be a little bit more in. I think we might have roundabout kind of said, okay, this is not an egregious price, particularly if you believe the speed, which is the one component I think you should believe. Even if you're totally like, come on, dude, 28 homers when the dude had 13 for his career. I know rabbit ball played a role, but 24% homer to fly ball. Let's regress that down. What if I give him 13 to 15 homers, but if I still give him 20 plus stolen bases, eh, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Okay. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit talked into this here to where I'm not fully ruling him out. We came into this and I was like, 
no. And now I'm like, eh, there's a path. There's a path where I'm like, okay, go ahead and give him to me. I mean, he you know, should be going in the Byron Buxton area. Like, that's where he should be going. A guy that's got... B-Bucks is going like a buck sixty. Yeah, one sixty-two. So I agree. I agree. Then I then I'd be in easily if he was going forty picks lower. So I mean, like I said, so I'm probably not going to have any shares of uh, of Santana. That's, but that's that's just his average. Let's see. Uh, let's see what Danny Santana's one max pick. Do you know what his min pick is? Well. It's 111 in the OCs, but I know in a DC he went 15th. 15th. Yeah, I, I my uh, one of my writers and podcasters over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, uh, Greg Blankenship, was in that uh, in that draft champions. I think I might have accidentally wrote, written down his ADP of, a, of an overall because it was at 127. It's actually 139 if you look at the OCs because uh, it's not inflated by that 15th. So even that is is 12 picks cheaper than what we had here. So, again, as we kind of dig and dig and dig, I'm a little bit more in on Danny Santana. And the closer he gets to that max of 191, the more likely I am to at least get a share or two. Now, he's around a lot of guys that I like, so that's part of it as well. Uh, at Sometimes you you like a guy's price, you, you're in on the notion of him, but he's around some of your faves. And even if he is more... If Danny Santana is in the more of 150 to 160 range, it is with a lot of guys I like who we will get to in a couple tiers. But, um, yeah, I, I, this investigation has been good for me. I, I'm now, instead of crossing him off the list almost off the rip, I'm now like, okay, let's see where this goes as far as price. And also, That's don't, don't forget, in Yahoo Leagues, he's already got second base. He'll probably gain yep. second base and in, in potentially, you know, maybe like third base or shortstop in season. Uh, so, uh, like Doesn't he, he have first as well. Yeah, he's first in outfield right now. Uh, he had 15 games at second, eight games at third, and seven games at short. So, depending on hey. your league format, you could have a guy with a ton of extra eligibility. Um, yes. And, you know, those and guys love are always, that. Yeah, those guys are always, yep. you know, on my team. So, we get got on that. Now, these next, uh, I'd say. Upwards of three tiers. We're probably going to talk about most of the guys in them, and then we're going to have to start picking and choosing and, and maybe do one sentence on certain guys here and there, or else this will be 12 hours. It's already going to be eight hours, but we can't do a full 12. Uh, but let's go into the the just power category here. It's Joey Gallo at 83, Jorge Soler at 94, Marcelo Zuno at 108, Trey Mancini at 110, Nick Castellanos at 111. I grant uh, there's people yelling at their their phones or whatever. No, these some of these guys have batting average too, but you're drafting them for power. That's the idea here is that, that you're you're drafting them for the power output that you get, and it can be um, it can be quite transcendent what you can get from these guys. So let's start with the guy at the top, Joseph Gallo. Now he had that he had kind of a breakout season last year, albeit for just under half a season which obviously makes it a little suspect. I'm going to make it a little bit more suspect. Um, I don't know how much deep dive you've done on it, but it was a really bizarre season. The The, the 253 average was a nice big shoot up, and we were all excited about it, and it made him a little bit more of a dynamic player. It was built off of a 500 BABIP against lefties. So he hit 333 against them in 90 plate appearances. If you look at his righty production, it was same old, same old, 217 average, 14 homers. 
So I hate to rain on this parade, but I think the average is fraudulent. Yeah, it's definitely fraudulent. (laughs) So Uh, I can't take him at this price then. The question, I I think there's, I mean, I love Joey Gallo, and he's one of those guys. I do too. If you could turn the injury off on him, I'd probably take him here. Uh, because, like I said, I, I, I largely don't care about batting average. You're hoping to pop that 253 one year, uh, but and, and you know, and, and get the 40 home runs. The problem is he's never played a full season. Like that's my biggest yep. issue. Screw the average part. You know, you need a gallo pillow, uh, you know, attached to it. So you know, you need a guy, uh, and that, that's a term that Colin Weatherwax and a bunch of my FWFB guys use. Uh, you, you need a player to pair with him that is going to bring up the average because you know it's going to suck. Um, the problem isn't that. The problem is, you know, in his breakout year last year, he only played 70 games. Yeah. So it was great while it lasted, but it didn't last long. And he's never played 150 games. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm saying. And that's, that's, what, that's what bothers me here. And like I said, once you take a look under the hood of the breakout – it gets exposed a little bit, and I, I want it to be real. Like um, I know I bring up MLB The Show a lot, but he's a legend in that game. Uh, Joey Gallo is just insane because his power, obviously, is off the charts. And in a video game, it, it's it's even more extraordinary somehow. And so he's he's beloved in the community. So when he was having this breakout season, uh, we we in the MLB The Show community were, were loving it. It was great. But then, like I said, I took a look under the hood, and I was like, well – that batting average is going to come right back down for the most part. And so when he's back down to the, uh, you know, 200 to 220 range, I need like 50 homers to make it justifiable. And 50 homers are in the cards for him. If he's on the field. But bingo. Exactly. So I don't know, man. I'm nervous here. On base percentage league, he's like a third round pick. Oh, absolutely, because even with that god-awful batting average, he still maintains something in the 330s uh, for his OBP, which isn't elite, but it's it's a lot more palatable. It's a, it's equivalent to, like, what, like a 260 average type. And then you're, then you're just looking at the runs, ribbies, and power. So, yeah, I like him. What's his, uh, what's his max? Where, where can I hope to maybe have him fall? 116. If he falls to that, I, I'll... I'll grab at least one just on the chance that he does show it's some legitimate batting average improvements. Yeah. There's, there's always. I hope one I'm in Gallo. one of those drafts. You won't be. There's always one Gallo guy in every draft. You don't know where I'll be. I know where you'll be. Don't say where I'll be. You live in you Texas. Don't know. You don't know where I'll be. I know you do. Not everyone in my draft is from Texas. Okay? They're all from Texas. No, I'll be the Texas guy, and I'll be like, I'm a Rangers fan. Give me Joey Gallo. Pick 69. Nice. (laughs) All right. So I really feel like part of the reason that I'm not going to end up with much Joey Gallo is I could just take Jorge Soler right after. And why wouldn't I do that? Isn't he a better version? Uh, He is a version. How is he not better? In what way is he not better? He's not Joey Gallo. But he is Jorge oh, Soler. He is Jorge Soler. Soler. pretty awesome, too. I think, I mean, I think he is a, definitely a version. I, I am, I'm very in line with 
uh, all the projection systems that I think the power will take a step back. Uh, not necessarily like he's not going to fall off the map. I, I I love the fact that he's now DHing mostly because it should keep yep. him on the field. That that's been his major problem is one being blocked in in Chicago and then having trouble staying on the field. So being the but D- even if you give back even if you give the eight homers that Steamer has in difference between the two, I feel like the twenty seven points of batting average covers that. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather have Solaire than Gallo. I'm just probably not going to have either, uh, personally. Uh, that being said, like I don't have a problem if, if people want to take him there. I think he, I think he's fairly priced. Uh, I just yeah. tend to go with other guys in, in that area. Okay. Yeah, I, I can I can pay this price at 94 for Solaire. Um, I, I'm I'd like to get. Yeah, I mentioned this. Um, I don't know if it was bef- during the labor prep or, or what. That I've been having some teams that have come out power light by accident, really. Like I, I'm not avoiding power in any uh, tangible way or anything. I just end up looking up and I'm like, ah, damn, I, I should have more punch. And even my draft champions, that was a critique that I got when I posted on Twitter. It's like, ah, you know, it might be a little bit light in power. I was like, damn it, dude, again. And so. I think it's because I lean on a lot of these guys who are do a bit of everything types, and um, and and even when they're not power speed, I, I start getting the guys who are like the batting average guys who have you know twenty to twenty five homers, but you know good batting average, good runs, and I get too many of those, too too many of what peak Corey Seager can be, and so. I, I think I need to start to zero in on the Solaires and Gallows um, in that in that pick 100 range to get some more transcendent power. I think that's part of the reason that I'll end up with some more Jorge Soler, Soler shares this year um, on the heels of his great seasons. Because I agree with you. He's priced fairly. You know, for the season that he had, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was around pick 65 and he's at 96. So the market's actually treating him uh, quite nicely, and that, that creates a buying opportunity for me as far as Harry Solaire goes. Yeah, I would just prefer the you know two of the next three guys, or actually all three guys going after him that we're just about to talk about in this tier. So, so next we've got Ozuna, Marcelo Ozuna, um, signing with the Braves, which hey, you gotta like that. I mean, you know, he goes from from one good lineup to the other. St. Louis was pretty solid, but I think Atlanta. His lineup's better uh, with him in it, at least. At least the at least the portion that he's going to be messing with the upper half there. Maybe St. Louis's lineup was deeper, but that that top part with the three superstars, then Ozuna, is pretty nice. He's going to have guys on on base like crazy, and frankly, we could see a new career high in RBIs for Ozuna. He's only hit that 100 mark once. It was 124, and and I, I still stand by what I just said that he could still set potentially a new career high which is crazy to say because it's such a nice high, but those guys are going to be on for him so much. Can he go, like, I mean, 31-30? Uh, I think he can. I also think he could go 35-120. Or, like, I, I'm still waiting for that 2017 power season to come back. To come back, yeah. So, and... I mean, 100 feels like it's in the bag, though, right? If I, if I give you 140 games... It seems like a hundred ribbies is there for Ozuna. I'm hoping at this point he is completely healed from that shoulder issue. 
Yes. So, and if he is, and he's hitting, you know, fourth in that lineup, uh, I think we're talking about a guy who's going 35 or maybe even 40, you know, 120. Uh, and, you know, and, and the, the average should bounce back. I mean, he, he got crazy Babbitt pl- or bad Babbitt luck last year, 259 Babbitt for a guy who's got a career 315. Uh, I, I think this is the question is, will they let him steal the way he did last year? Because he had 12 stolen bases out of nowhere. 12 for 14, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, don't even put that in your projection. If I'm, no. if I'm doing a projection for him, I'm putting down like four. four yeah. And then and then hoping to get, you know, six to eight extras. That would be awesome. But do not expect that. Even though he ran really well, went 12 for 14 because it's a new team and it was a spike out of literally nowhere for Marcelo Zuna. But everything else should be there. And I agree with you on the average. There's a there's a reason to believe that that's going to uptick at least into the 275 range, making him a nice four-category play uh, with, with the power production being quite substantial. And I think he's a nice pickup here. And the price is uh, is very fair at 106. He ranges. He has a tight range, 100 to 122. So there's that there's that spot where Ozuna is going. He doesn't really last. I think people understand what he can do, what his production can be, and uh, he doesn't really drop in drafts. So you be ready to pay for him right around his ADP. And uh, if you really like him, you should maybe jump right at that 100 level so that you don't lose out on Ozuna. All right. Next up is Trey Mancini, and you know this is the case for a lot of guys if you really look at their profile. But it's it's like directly correlated with Mancini. He goes as his BABIP goes, and if you just look at his three seasons, it's three fifty two, two eighty five, three twenty six, and it's been good, bad, good for his seasons. Um, because even when you look at seventeen versus eighteen, and the drop from three fifty two to two eighty five, the power was still there almost in the same way as far as home runs. It, it was 24 for each, each season. Uh, but he lost 20 ribbies, and the batting average dropped from 293 to 242 because he wasn't getting as many hits to fall, and he, he dropped 20 RBIs as well. Well, then the Babbitt jumps back up last year to 326. He uh, cuts the strikeout rate, adds a few walks, and he had a really, really quietly nice season last year. 35 homers, 97 ribbies, 106 runs on Baltimore, with the 291 average and 364 OBP. So Trey Mancini, still in the midst of his prime at age 28. I, I want to say that he's like a little bit underrated, but then I look at a 115 price, and I'm like, no, the market's fairly pricing him. So he's not even that underrated. He's just not that well uh, regarded. He's not, not heavily talked about. So the market acknowledges what he is, but nobody really talks about Trey Mancini. What do you, what do you think about the Baltimore uh, 28-year-old? Ooh, I'd feel a lot better if he was on a different team. <laughs> I was, that was my next question, though, so jump right into that. Then. Do you There's see no... a midseason trade here? I think he could. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's going to be 28 at the start of the season. Uh, he is, I believe, ARB eligible in 2021, so this is, you know, his price is going to really start going up. Uh Baltimore is in the process of what is probably going to be a long rebuild. The question becomes, will a team want to take on that defense? You know, and how many DH spots are available? Because, I mean, he is an atrocious defensive player. Uh, So, I mean, he really needs to be DH, and he just can't do it in Baltimore where they have like a million atrocious defensive players. Well, he can't even play first base either because they've got – Chris Davis, Chris Davis. Uh, carcass sitting there. Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, 
I, I just don't know where he will end up. Um, and I think there is potential that if he is traded, he's traded to become like a bench bat, which would be really scary. Oh, that'd be tough. Because like, I mean, what team needs a DH unless someone gets hurt? Like if, if Nelson Cruz were to go down, like he'd be a perfect fit in, uh, Minnesota or I I just, you know, there's anybody, anybody, um, anybody need a first baseman because you could slot him there. But I don't think anybody really needs yeah, one. No, I mean that's that's the hard part is is people don't, and they're going to be options that are that won't cost as much in terms of a return available yep. in guys like Jesus Aguilar and you know Travis Shaw and, and things like that. So, I it, if he gets traded, it, it may not actually benefit him that much, and I have a really hard time believing in this lineup that he's going to be able to repeat. 90 runs and or sorry 106 runs and 97 rbi uh i think that's coming down be a tough for fair Mancini. amount and so i think he's like a 30 home run hitter and like a 75 75 type guy okay and that's that's tough that i think at that point then he's not worth the price of 115 for trey mancini especially if you then account for the fact that if he gets traded there's a chance he's not going to a better situation he's definitely going to go yeah. to a worse park uh you know a better yeah, lineup but he may not be in Camden's it it's fantastic yeah uh, no th- these are these are good call outs here and, and the defensive deficiencies uh do make it tough to even find a landing spot for him let alone one where trey mancini would play all the time and um i mean he's a good hitter for sure, but in the end, if you draft him, you might just want him to stick there in in Baltimore and hope that you know batting around Hanser Alberto, Anthony Santander, and Renato Nunez can can keep his numbers in the 80s at least, if not a little bit higher. But I agree with you that you gotta you gotta bump those numbers down right now as is and uh, smooth out the batting average a little bit just because we've seen the the Babbitt fluctuate a bit. I like the 272 projection. Work off of that and then hope to get more. Be careful at this pick, I would say, because I like guys around him. I would I would probably bypass Mancini here, even though I don't think this is an egregious price. I think you've outlined reasons why it could be a little bit suspect. I, I think we have guys, especially in this tier that we're talking about, that just have much higher upsides and don't have the downside possibilities we just talked about. So... I would pass on him for a Cassianos and Azuna, Osirler, um, or even guys in the next tier that we're going to talk about. Yep, let's talk about Cassianos first. He goes to the Reds to really strengthen that Reds ball club. That team is so nice, and uh, you know everything that they've, they've done this offseason has strengthened them, given them a ton of depth. Cassianos is not going to be the one who sits though, even though he is also a defensive liability. Doesn't matter. They brought him into play. Uh, he improved his defense last year. Of course, you couldn't really make it worse. So the improvements are not something I say as like, hey, you know, now he's a good defender. No, he's still very bad, but uh, at least he improved. So good, good on him for that. But um, he's going to be batting third, it looks like, by roster resource in between Votto and Moustakis. Even if you're not convinced that Votto gets his power back, he should still remain an OBP guy. And Akiyama batting first. Those two are going to be on regularly. Uh, RBI opportunities galore for Castellanos. And then Moose, uh, Winker, slash Senzel, slash Aquino, driving him in. You know, I think there's a chance 
there's a chance here for 100-100. And he's done each in different seasons. 100 ribbies back in 17 for Castellanos and 100 runs just last year. I think if he stays healthy, which he, which he's done a great job of the last three years, 157, 157, 151. And in fact, he's only had one year where he's missed time, 110 back in 2016 for Nick Castellanos. So given that we feel pretty strongly about his health, I think 90-90 for sure with a 285 average. And I'm saying 30-plus homers. I think he sets a new career high in home runs this year. I'm really excited for Castellanos. I would definitely take him over Mancini. So that right there rules out Mancini for me. How do you feel about Casti and Cincy? Uh, I'm super excited. I, I want to get a bunch of shares because I think 30 feels like a lock uh, in, in Cincinnati. Yep. And I think 100 and 100, like you said, are in play. Uh, and this, I, I, I don't even know if the Reds are done yet as a team. Like they could still make a Lindor pitch. Uh, with yep. the prospects that they have, or or you know even some of the MLB pieces that they have, so imagine if they were to add Lindor to the top of that lineup, like it just we could we could be looking at a guy just you know who's going to be able to drive in 120. Uh, so I really really like Cassianos. I love the park. The defensive liabilities, obviously an issue, but maybe less so but- in in left field in a small park like Cincinnati. Yeah, to, to just a small degree because it could be that thing we talked about with Rosario where they take him out later in games for defensive replacement, cost them an at-bat here and there late in games. But I'm not even sure of that because teams haven't done that in, in the past. Now maybe it's you know the Tigers didn't have the depth to do it and the Cubs, he was insane with them, so they didn't want to take him out. But I think he's going to play closer to that Cubs level with the Reds, so they just might say, you know what? F it, we'll take it. Uh, his bat's too transcendent to take him out uh, very often. By the way, we should note that the market shares our our love for Castellanos. The the ADP number that I copied of 111 is overall for the online championships. In February alone, draft championships have him at 96, and online championships have him at pick 100. So he's moving up, and I think he'll continue to do so. What's the high that you would pay on Castellanos? If he's averaging pick 80, are you still in? I think I'm... Ooh, that's hard. Uh, I think I might still be in, depending on my team construct at that point. But then Mm -hmm. we're also talking about guys in the area that have, like, power and speed. Uh, Sure. Is, you know, we're talking... We're starting to talk about the Tommy Fams and Laureanos and the Luis Roberts... I still think I prefer him to Robert and Loriano, but I think I'm definitely taking Fam over Castellanos. So what about Gallo versus Castellanos? Oh, Castellanos. Me too. Me too. So that's and and Gallo was at 89. So um, yeah, I think we could ex- we could sustain even further jump from Castellanos, and we would still be buying here because uh, our excitement is pretty high on him, and he should have an excellent season. All right, you tried to trigger me and title this group The Maliks because the, the worst Malix. player ever in this group. And uh, let's talk about this group here. It's, it's an eclectic group. There's there's power, speed. There's there's you know batting average assets. There's all sorts of stuff. we got two Michaels at the top, Michael Conforto, 117. Michael Brantley, 129. Yasiel Puig, still teamless at 122. Kyle Tucker at... Uh, 
role list. He does not have a role yet. At 140, David Dahl, health list at 148. And Malik Smith, talent list at 166. <laughs> oh, well played. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, let's start with the two Michaels at the top. I think they're um, they're similar overall values. So, you know, I think uh, you get the better batting average out of Brantley, and I think you get a better power upside with with Conforto. Though, you know, Brantley hit 22 last year. It's not like he's deficient there, but Conforto has a chance to really push that power up. Who do you like better of the two between Michael Conforto and Michael Brantley? I like them about the same, honestly. I, I think uh, I I think I lean. So is Brant- the team construct at that, that point then, based on if you need the batting average versus needing the power? It is because like both these guys have like injury risk tags, even though they've both like hit six hundred plate appearances in each of the last two seasons. So like I think we got to stop talking about their injury woes. Uh, and start talking about what they give our teams. And if you need a little bit more batting average, you go Brantley. If you need a little bit more power, you go Conforto. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Brantley runs a little bit more with Dusty Baker. Uh, Because, I mean, the stolen bases completely dried up last year. He went from a guy who was at least getting you double digits every year to you got three last year. And, and maybe the the chronic back issues. They say, you know what, you don't need to run right now. We don't want you to flare up the back in any in any capacity. Yeah. So I mean, they may not come back, but they. I think they could. You know, you never really know with with a new manager, new kind of. I mean, there's a whole new ball game. In and, and we never know how he feels because mm-hmm. a lot of times stolen bases are just desire and how the player feels if they've shown the skill before. Uh, which he has. He was at 12 and 11 the two years before last year when he dropped to three. So you're right on that, that he could just spike, you know, uh, 10 to 15 out of nowhere. And we'd be like, oh, that was a nice little added contribution from Michael Brantley. I will say, I mean, the sprint speed has dropped a fair amount. So you may, maybe we won't see as much. But, uh, I mean, he, he is a batting average asset, and I feel like, He's unfairly penalized for the injuries that plagued a lot of his career, in spite of the fact that he's been fairly healthy the last two years. Mm-hmm. No, I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, how about Conforto? Then he's he doesn't bring quite the batting average. In fact, uh, it's it's down at two forty three, two fifty seven the last two years. As the power's been rising, though, twenty eight and thirty three homers. He went ninety ninety last year as well. Chip in steals um, two two three and then seven last year. Put him in the three to four range, and if you get a few extras, that's great. You're not really looking at that from Conforto. But the power, his proponents believe he can push even higher. Is there a 40-homer season here for Conforto? I don't think so. I think this, okay. is, I think this is who he is. I think he is a uh, low 30s-type homer bat with a handful of stolen bases, uh, an average that won't kill you, and some pretty good runs in RBI. So, uh that being, you know, if I graded him out, he probably grade, or if you know, if I if I ran like you know auction values or or, or uh, you know money calculations, Conforto is probably going to be above Brantley, but I think a lot of it does you know start to turn into this point in the draft, you know what do you need? Do you need a little bit more power? Do you need a little bit more speed? Or do you need the batting average? And typically this spot for me in NFBC leagues where I'm not putting batting average may be a spot I'm going to take the batting average. Okay. I think that that makes some sense there. 
um, with the decision between the two Michaels there. I think your, your team construct should dictate which one you want to go for. I don't think you can really lose with either pick. I like both as well. Let's talk about our boy Puig. Doesn't have a team. So if you're drafting right now and you like Puig, th- this is perfect because his price will go up. Now, as we inch closer and closer to spring training, do you have any legitimate concerns that he is um, you know, this year's guy who ends up unsigned until June? I do a little bit only because I think there are teams that are completely out on him just because of his, uh, I don't want to say personality because I think that's overblown, but his reputation. Sure. Uh, I think there are teams that just don't want to deal with what how people perceive him. Um, because by all accounts, like he's a really good teammate. Yeah, like, I mean, he literally I mean, Rick, fought. Ricky had issues with him, but that's really it. Yeah, I mean, he literally fought off the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team <laughs> yes. for his team. Like, like there's no way the Reds didn't love him for that. Yeah, like I mean, he's like I, I think he's probably a a clubhouse favorite type of guy, but I don't think MLB front offices want to deal with the fan reaction. Uh, that being said, Giants, please do a troll job and just sign him, like. Just troll Dodgers fans and and sign him. I mean, it's uh, you're, you're already signing ridiculous players that shouldn't be on the team well, for to make fans happy. Like just just sign sign Puig to make the Dodgers fans unhappy. If Cleveland doesn't come up and and bring him back, because remember he started with Cincy and ended the season with Cleveland. If if they don't bring him on, it, it's starting to look more and more like it will be a a poor team. That brings him on with the idea that, hey, you know, we're going to take this year, year-long year shot. We'll let him get his pillow deal here and trade him. And why not? Yeah, you know, I, th- I um, that's probably what's going to end up happening because Cleveland is being very, very cheap and not wanting to invest money in anybody or anything. So uh, I think he probably will end up with a team like the Giants, uh, which is unfortunate for him. Uh, I don't think that hurts his value any, and I think he is kind of a steal where he's going right now. So I, I'm totally down to take some Yasiel Puig at 122. Um, I'm all for all of that. I've always been a fan, and I'll continue to be so. I mentioned Kyle Tucker doesn't really have a role yet. We haven't really seen what's going to happen. Obviously, they've had so much turmoil elsewhere. They haven't really had time to sit around and talk about, well, this is what we're going to do with Kyle Tucker. They've had their own uh, issues to handle. And so we'll see how that's going to play out in spring. Josh Reddick is still holding down right field as of now. But that seems like Kyle Tucker's spot for the taking. Reddick's 33, coming off of a tough year. I don't know. Is this this finally going to happen? Because this draft spot says it is. uh, Otherwise, he's going way, way too high. I mean, 140, you don't necessarily need a full season. But you need about the same number of games as as that pick. You need about a buck forty here to make this worthwhile. This, these are still quality starters that you're taking, and we're pushing Cal Tucker there. I love the talent; it's dynamic, it's power, speed. But is he going to wrangle that spot away from Josh Reddick? I don't know that he will. I mean, the, the Astros were connected to Hunter Pence and other bats, outfield bats this offseason, and the only place to play him is uh, where Reddick is currently playing. So if they were already talking about bringing other people, Reddick's there. I think he's going to need an injury 
to do that. Now, that being said, Reddick isn't always the healthiest guy. He's getting older. Uh, Reddick could completely fall off now that they don't have buzzers or, or trash cans. And Tucker could come up. But it just seems so weird to me that Kyle Tucker, that the organization was looking outside of, of yeah. Kyle Tucker to replace a guy on their roster in Josh Reddick. The so, hell did they need Pence for? I don't I don't understand it. And that's what, you know, I mean, I, I know Pence ended up signing San Francisco, and we talked yeah. about taking Kyle Tucker uh, during the labor draft. Uh, we got scared off Got by scared that off by the Pence stuff. And uh, I don't think the fact that Pence didn't sign there scares me that much less. Maybe a little less, but not that much because – the fact that they were the fact that they even offered Pence a contract tells me they are not ready to move forward with Kyle Tucker. Let's say they change course and they show that they are indeed ready and they announce him as the starter. Obviously his price will rise. Where would you then take Kyle Tucker if it was he's our starting right fielder locked and loaded? Uh I think he moves up into like the Victor Robles Tommy Pham area. Yeah, he soars, doesn't he? I, I Into th- the yeah. 70s. I think, yeah, I think he cuts his ADP in half. And I think it's completely I, I think you're warranted. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. That being said, that. Like, so if you like him, take your gambles now. If, if you really believe he's going to get that spot, now is the time to get it because the, the price is so cheap. Okay, let's move on then to our next guy here. It's David Dahl. I mentioned that health. Uh, has been a major problem for him, and it has been throughout his career, dating back even to the minors. I remember watching last year when he got hurt and, and the way he kind of like twisted his ankle and knee. I thought everything exploded. It ended up being uh, you know, a pretty severe injury, but not as bad as it, it looked like it was going to be. And this dude's just snake bitten, man. Like the, He runs the gamut on injuries, and it's frustrating because – He's really talented, and you just want him to stay healthy. He still is only 26. Um, the one aspect of his game that seems to have disappeared, though, is the the early minor league speed. He hasn't really been running since 2016. Uh, and I think in people's minds, that's still a part of it. But again, you look at it in practice, and he's, he's 14 for 21 at the majors. That's bad. So it really is, you know, he's the not, other four. He's nine for four. 16 the last two years. That's disgusting. Like that's he, – he's not a running asset. Let's just put that out there right now about David Dahl. Um, nothing in his major league profile says that he is. Everything else is pretty nice though. You got power. You, you should have runs and ribbies because he's in Colorado. Batting average. Now, he does strike out more than I, I thought he would at the majors uh, with – a 26% career strikeout rate doesn't walk a ton at 7%. But again, Coors covers something like that. That's why it gets overlooked a bit because it should, that, that park covers it. Are you willing to take the gamble on David Dahl and his, his remarkably tenuous track record of health, or do you bypass and let others take on that potential headache? Yeah, absolutely not. I, I don't want to have anything to do with David Dahl. Uh, he's got to show he can stay on the field. And really, he's not only got to show that he can stay on the field, he's got to show that the, in, the the toll of injuries he's had over the course of his you know, major and minor league career haven't degraded his skills. Because, yep. like, we're talking about a guy who, like, 
I, I see the projections, and they're projecting him for, like, what, 135 games, 23 home runs, 9 stolen bases. Like, I, I don't know what in his profile has shown that he can do that. I I understand. I think the playing time projection itself is too high, and, again, I don't know where 9 stolen bases are coming. I mean, I guess if you're extrapolating, but... I mean, I don't even get don't where know. the 23 home runs comes from. I mean, you don't go from... 413 plate appearances to 570 plate appearances and gain, you know, half your home runs. I I mean, it. I don't know. To me, I just think it's, it, there's still this allure about him because of the prospect pedigree, the fact that he's only 26 or going to be 26 this year. Uh, I think people need to just move on and, I mean, I don't understand, like, why you wouldn't just take Kyle Tucker. You know, same sure. kind of playing no, time I, issues for a different reason, a much higher upside in Kyle Tucker. I, I, I agree with that part. Uh, one thing I will push back on, I, th- I do think in a perfect world where we did get 580-plus plate appearances, the, the low 20s home run total, that does make sense to me for, for okay. David Dahl. That's probably but, fair, but is that special anymore? No, and, and and even this projection says it's not coming with anything else special because they don't have a high batting average total. It's at 275. Now, he's a career 297, so maybe my own projection would be a little bit higher on Dahl's batting average, but I, I feel you on all of that. Like, your your, your overall uh, trepidation with Dahl is, is understood and acknowledged and shared, but uh, I do think that if we could get to at least 580 plate appearances, we could see 25 homers. But yeah, but what what's so special about that at this point? I don't know. I mean, isn't his think, ceiling Michael Brantley? Yeah, I mean, at least he's going after Michael Brantley, though. But I mean, like, if you're gonna shoot with, if you're if you're gonna take a shot on a lottery ticket guy like David Dahl, where you're you're probably either getting a huge season or you're getting next to nothing in terms of what you drafted him for. Don't you want the ceiling to be huge? Like the whole point of drafting Kyle Tucker right at this point is the fact that if he hits, if he plays every day, you know, Josh Reddick, you know, pulls, um, you know, Miguel Sano and, and, you know, cuts him, cuts his own leg or something. And <laughs> in spring training and, and doll or and, uh, and Tucker gets to start every day that, Potentially, Tucker could be like a top three round player. Like David Dahl doesn't yeah, he, have he, that he anymore. Go twenty five, twenty five. Uh, that's all well and good. I agree with you on the Tucker versus Dahl. But if he is like you know Michael Brantley for a full year, that's still like a top sixty guy, top sixty five. So that would still be a lot of surplus value there for David Dahl. But but your your comparisons to Tucker and, and just taking Tucker instead, full agree. I just don't think the ceiling outweighs the floor with a guy like Dahl. That's fair. Yeah, and that's that's a reason to pass and uh, require a bigger discount to take him if if you're going to take him at all. And I I don't think either of us are really drafting David Dahl here. All right, let's talk about Malik. He did lead baseball in stolen bases. Obviously, the batting average was a nightmare. There are reasonable... you know, expectations for that to come back up, though. There's nothing in his profile that really states that he's a 227 type hitter. Even his career with the 227 is a 259, but coming into last year, his career average was 277. But I think you're still getting a two category guy now. The one category is very rare and it can be league leading. 
you know how I feel about rabbits. We know how you feel, though. Uh, so we don't really need to rehash our, our feelings there. But what is your realistic expectation for Malik Smith this year? He wins the MVP and Seattle wins their first World Series. Woo, go Seattle, Malik Smith, dude, going off. Uh, I think my realistic expectation is is what the projection systems have him for, which is like a 250, 250 average, a handful of home runs, and 40 stolen bases. There you go. And if, you're, if your team is set up to take that, to take the, the, um, the hit in homers and RBIs, and even runs to a degree because they only have him projected for 65, that's fine. As long as you are building for that. I think you need to decide to take a rabbit before the draft starts, though. Not in the middle. Unless, I mean, I guess in the middle if your team already constructed for that. But I would want to build from square one to take somebody like that, personally. That's 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 why I always have that trepidation. Because I don't want to go into it blind and be like, well, now I need this guy. And now I need to spend the rest of my draft covering for him. He is the perfect guy to take in a punt batting average situation because yes, you project him for, let's say we project him for two forty-five. Okay. when you, when you do your projections, when he luckily pops the two seventy or the two ninety-six, you've won your league, like game over. Uh, you know, as long as you've hit your other category targets, you know, he just, you know, he just went from a batting average deficiency to a batting average plus uh, and like I love guy like that, you know. You just have to make sure you can handle the two forty five or potentially the two twenty seven if it comes. But uh, yeah, got to handle the power too, even even yeah. more so than the average. I think you got to make sure that your power is set up everywhere. I think you need something like, uh, you know, based on last year's ball and everything, something around twenty eight homers per roster spot. So when you take him, him being Malik Smith. He obviously puts a bigger burden on that because you're only getting, you know, three to seven uh, homers from from that from that roster spot. It was six last year in 134 games. You know, if he plays a full season, you might get seven, eight, whatever. Just double tap on him and in Fran Miller, you know, double tap. But on... yeah, you, you you can plan around that. You know, you got mm-hmm. you got uh, Aaron Judge, Arenado. Yeah, Arenado and Judge to open. You you took Alonzo. Um, like you said, like a Fran Mill or, or Schwarber coming up right after. So there are ways to plan for it, but just make sure you are. Just be smart about that and be cognizant of how much of a ding that is on the homers and RBIs and potentially the average. He could end up being an average boon for you, at least relative to his projection, but he could also be that sinkhole again as he was last year. But even doing that, hitting 227, Malik Smith still led baseball in stolen bases. So for as uh, tough of a time as I give him, there was still a lot of fantasy goodness there from Malik as he finished as the 124th player on the ESPN player Raider, or excuse me, on the uh, Rasball one, and he's going at 166. So one thing I will say, and credit to the fantasy community, there is not an over, uh, you know, overwhelming tax on him. He's not egregiously priced. That is the one big positive about Malik no, Smith. He's being shit that, on that, by everybody in the industry. Were you not at FBS? Yes. I mean, he's like the most no, hated and, player. And I, I, I'm part of that, and I'm happy to be. He's, he, he gets spray-painted with a scarlet M. Yes, as he, as he deserves. No, he, he is. Barrett. He finished, he finished as like a top 120 player last year. He's going 166. 
Like, it's... Like, you're getting a discount because people hate him for... like, And I understand why people hate him. He can be a roster construction problem for a lot of people. Uh, and if you don't feel like you are good at constructing, you know, rosters with odd-shaped pieces, then avoid Malik Smith. If, if you feel better yes, about... Know your... Yeah. If you feel know better your about, own role. Yeah, if, if you can... If you feel better about constructing teams by getting guys who contribute, you know, 10 stolen bases at a time uh, or 15 stolen bases at a time. You don't want the guys that, you know, steal a ton, but you then have to make up other areas. Yeah, that totally fine. Ignore Malik Smith. Um, But, like, it's just a puzzle, and the puzzle just goes together a different way if you use a guy like Malik Smith. Yep, I think that's all fair. Still don't want him on any team, and uh, I'm glad we didn't get him. That makes me so happy that, that you're sad about that. All right, moving in to this next category here, the underrated and overhyped. Now, we won't be able to deep dive on all these guys. In fact, a couple were discussed at third base, so that'll knock two off the list, but we'll have to be quick on some of these here uh, again, or else we will, we will literally go 12 hours. But we got Max Kepler at 144, Fran Mill Reyes at 149, Kyle Schwarber at 150, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. 157, Byron Buxton 162, Pat Kingery 163, Aristides Aquino, 164. Willie Calhoun, 167. Garrett Hampson, 174. J.D. Davis and Hunter Dozier, they were discussed at third base. They're at 175 and 183, respectively. Lorenzo Cain, 186. Brian Reynolds, 190. Nick Senzel, 207. And Joe Adele, 211. Who, by the way, let's start at the bottom there with Joe Adele. His stock may be back up because the jock... Peterson deal fell through, which now, you know, reopens the avenue for him. I guess with all the... uh, with all the turmoil there, the turbulence of, oh my gosh, they're getting Jock Peterson, so maybe they're not as confident in him to now, now they're not getting him, and it's still Brian Goodwin, and he could be up sooner. Where do you stand on on Joe Adele right now? If you're going into a draft today, what are you doing with Adele? I'm totally fine pulling the trigger on him. I wish they had gotten Peterson because his stock would have just dropped a ton, and I would have gotten a better discount. Uh, because agree. I don't think Jock I think Jock Peterson was going to be replacing Pujols as an everyday player, uh, oh, not replacing uh, not replacing Joe Adele's future. I mean, Joe Adele is the top or one, sorry, probably the number two prospect in all of baseball by Wander Franco. So, like, I don't think they were bringing in Jock Peterson to stall his development or their path to the majors, especially because it's a team – that or an organization that has spent a lot of money this offseason yep. and would like to win a World Series before Mike Trout leaves for a different town. So I think Joe Adele is up in three weeks. I think he is a steal at 211. I would love to have him anywhere after pick like 150. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I'm going to be getting Adele shares. And I agree with the point right down to the fact that, yeah, uh, Jock was probably going to start in the outfield. But then once Adele's ready, boom, shift him to first base. Now, we did get some news on on the Angels. And this is what I was hearing rumblings of on, like, MLB Network. And so while it wasn't official, I was starting to play like this anyway. Otani's not going to be pitching until, like, May or mid-May even. Um, and so that kind of cramps the the – line up a little bit wherein he takes that DH spot. Now, this is not the, – the jock thing didn't happen, so we don't have to worry about it to that capacity. But Otani's going to be in that lineup now every day for a while. 
and Otani's not going to pitch till mid-May. How does this change your outlook on on both their offense and Otani himself? Well, I'll start with Otani. You really need to know your rules. So in NFBC leagues, Otani is already pitcher eligible. But in Fantrax leagues, he is not pitcher eligible. He did not pitch last year. And this is the correct ruling. He should not be eligible as a pitcher in your fantasy leagues. Uh, unless you've written in some weird thing that he's always pitcher and hitter eligible. Which means in most leagues, you're gonna have he's going to have to ha- have three to five starts before he is eligible. Okay. Which should drop him. I don't know that I agree that it, it, that's how it should be. But that's the that's how we do eligibility for every other position. We do Why no, but we do it. We do it. We do it for hitters. What about like? And this is the only example that's coming to mind. I know it's ancient, but we can find plenty of others. But like Hunjin Ryu didn't pitch all of 2015. Was he not pitcher eligible coming into 2016? No, but because that's you revert you revert to the previous season and what their eligibility or what their but, most eligible position was previously. No, that's you, how you, no, you, you put him at pitcher because he's a pitcher. If he had hit all of 2015, then he shouldn't have been. But he didn't. Yeah. I, I, this is just like the whole Victor Martinez thing. When Victor Martinez was a catcher, he missed like all of the season uh, except for like three games. And some sites gave him back catch. catcher eligibility. Um, and But the mo- most of them gave him, you know, he was UT only. I, I, I don't think it's the same thing in that. We know that Otani's going to pitch, and so I, I don't really understand why we, we, we want to make him a non, you know, make him not be a pitcher just because he also has this hitting that he does as well. I, I, I don't know. Like, if, 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 if that's how it's set up and, and your league goes by the, the letter of the law, then okay. But, but what's the point of, like, having rules if you're not going to follow them by the letter? Like, that's – But again, like if you want to make exceptions, write that in. We don't like if you're a pitcher, because you're a pitcher. You go by, yeah, because they were a pitcher before they got injured. If they were a hitter be- and a pitcher, then you, yeah, you do this. Yeah, I, I don't really agree with that. Like, well, you're wrong. It's okay that you're wrong. No, I'm, I, I'm I, not. I appreciate you trying. <laughs> I'm definitely not. It's just like, <laughs> look, I, I get it. If you want to be pedantic about it, that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, you're, 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 fr- you're free to do that. Uh, I'm pro eligibility. I'm, I'm more inclined to open eligibility up as opposed to trying to cutting and trying to cut it off. Obviously this is a unique player. We know he's going to pitch. He's, he's primarily a pitcher. Like that's his, that, or that's what he's, well, he hasn't been yet. I will, I will say that he's been primarily a hitter. That's fair. But, we also know he's going to pitch. Hey, if your league says you need four starts, you know, X amount of starts to get it, be mindful of that. That's what you that's what you open with. Know your rules. But, but um, as far as the news, this was looking, you know, the guys at MLB Network seemed to know that this was going to happen. Because like I said, I kept hearing more and more of it without confirmation. And I, I was starting to adjust my draft board as a result. Um, that doesn't really impact the uh, the Adele thing because they didn't get Jock Peterson. But if they somehow finagled that deal back on, 
it would cut off that first base avenue at least for a while because while they have them, they're going to play pool holes, whether we like it or not. So, um, got- well, I think if I, I think the Jock Peterson trade was signaling the end of Pujols. That it, I mean, I, 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 I thought they were going to let him go last year. I think I know, and and boy, were you spectacularly wrong about that. I think that it was it, a really good bold prediction, though. It would have been it would have been interesting if it had come to fruition. I think it's signaling more of they're going to let Adele make sure that he's ready, ready in AAA. That's what it signaled to me was that we know Brian Goodwin's not a starting outfielder. Let's make him our four, put Jock Peterson in the outfield. And then in June, if and when Adele's ready, we'll figure things out with regards to the first base and outfield setup. And by then, Otani would be pitching anyway, so that would open back up DH for Pujols and uh, Ota- and um, what's-his-face, uh, Jock could play first, and then you have Upton, Trout, Adele. So anyway, we've said that we're going to pay this 211 price for Adele. We're down to uh, to do that and even a bit higher. We'll see where it goes. And I'm really, really eager to see where he goes in March because I think he'll move up just on spec. People will want to start to get the shiny new toy. But I don't think he'll ever become cost prohibitive outside of getting news that you know he signs a deal and he's coming up right away. But that's a whole different story. Now let's go back to the top of this list here. Max Kepler at 144. Franmil Reyes, 148. Kyle Schwarber, 150. Let's start with those three. Who's your favorite of the trio? Uh, it's probably Kepler, but they're all about the same spot for me. Yeah, I think I love kept all appropriately ranked. I, I I just think that there's still, honestly, I think there's there's more potential in all of them. Like as much as I shit on Schwarber, I'm not gonna deny the fact that he is a damn good hitter when he's on. Mm-hmm. So he really is like. Like, really, this is a pick-your-poison type of thing. I tend to go with Kepler. I think he's in uh, the best lineup. And I think that he has the most room to grow because he came to baseball late, and I think he's just a late bloomer type guy. And his breakout Uh, season was fueled by improvements against lefties. He still only hit two thirty six against righties because of a two twenty three Babbitt. Um, I was just about to say, like... Yeah, his BABIP was super low. Yeah, and if that improves, I mean, there's batting average upside there. He still crushed them power-wise. He had 27 of his 36 homers and a 517 slug despite that 236 average. But there's some there's some potential batting average growth here with Kepdog. He's my favorite of the trio for sure. And then as we've talked about previously, I find Reyes and Schwarber to be basically the same. So give me the guy who's a little bit... Um, a little bit more refined. Generally, again, it's a coin flip between the two on Schwarber and Reyes, but I'm going to take the guy in Schwarber who I think has a little bit of a better hit tool, but I would not be surprised if they put up damn near identical seasons. Yeah, I'm going to go with Fran Mill, who I think uh, has maybe a little bit more growth potential um, and has pretty much locked in playing time because that outfield is so bad. True. Well, he's going to DH, uh, but he does have locked-in playing time. Although, or, or, yeah, DH, so. So does Schwarber. Uh, I, so I, does Schwarber. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does, but I do think there's chances he gets the, you know, pulled in the eighth, you know, to Defense is better than defense. you think. Nope. 
It's it's really not. It is. We've covered like, this. We've, How we've, many times can you wrong on this? We we've been over this, and like it's one of those things where you and I are just not going to agree. Because um, you're going to ignore but, facts. No, there there are no facts that support this. Like that's the problem. Why do you like being wrong so much on this? Do you get off on it or something? Is it like one of those weird things? Defensive runs saved. Two in 2018. Minus one last year. Perfectly adequate defender. Perfectly adequate. You're an insane human being. I don't understand it. It's very bizarre. Anyway, Kyle Schwarber has guaranteed playing time. It's not even close um, as far as that goes. Let's move on and talk about Lourdes Gurriel, Byron Buxton, Scott Kingry. That trio. I'm I'm kind of down with all three, but who, who's your who's your fave there? I think Guriel's my favorite, which was really weird that in the barf, yeah. barf draft he fell the way he did to me. You got um, him after a round after you were considering him, right? Yeah, and like three rounds after I took Byron Buxton because I needed the speed. Nice. So. Uh, like it, I was really, really kind of perturbed by like I, like I didn't understand. Uh, I took Byron Buxton at one eighty pick, or you know, uh, round thirteen pick one eighty. I got Lourdes Gurriel four rounds later at two thirty six. Dang, dude. So, I I just don't know if like he maybe just didn't fit the teams or if i don't know i i really don't understand. i mean there's a bunch of sharp players a bunch of our friends yeah in that league it's a good it's a good, that, good group for sure they just didn't care for guriel jr i guess they're and, wrong uh, and he, yeah he was my first reserve player uh like i like i was just like okay i i guess i, I i'll take him um i think he uh you know he came back strong after being sent to the minors i think he's shown his upside i don't think he is like a world beater type player but i think he is a fair lock for you know 23 25 home runs and a handful of stolen bases and a decent average yeah i mean you know i i i'm big on uh guriel jr so i totally understand that i'm i'm 100 percent there with him and i think he's going to have a solid season here i'm excited to see what he can do for a full year we've talked about the baby jays and uh, they're come up offensively i think he's going to be a part of that and benefit from it at the same time so i'm excited for guriel jr he's probably my favorite of this trio but like i said i like all three you know buxton for the speed buxton finally not cost prohibitive you know the the market after being burned what is it 17 years in a row on buxton um 18, 18. Okay, so they finally calmed down, and this is a fair price to take the gamble at this point. 162 for what you can get. I mean, the upside is still extraordinary for Byron Buxton, so he's fairly priced. I think I'll end up with shares of all three, including you know pairs of them on different teams the way you did. You got Gurriel and Buxton on a team. I can see myself getting uh, multiples on different teams. Yeah, I I think I'm going to have more shares of Buxton this year than I have in previous years. Um, that's not saying much. I've never been in on the Byron Buxton hype. I had one share in the main event last year. Yep. Worked out perfectly, <laughs> awfully for me. So, uh, other than that, like I, I just haven't been a Buxton guy. But 
the upside is immense, and the hype has finally cooled off uh, quite a bit. And I probably won't take him at 160, but when he dropped to me at 180, I felt like he was like a must-grab, especially, like I said, I needed the speed. And you start getting into these portions of guys at this point in the draft where there are guys with speed, but they come with huge warts. Yes. And yes. Buxton, while he has some huge warts, He's also got some massive upside that a lot of other guys in this spot don't have. Agreed. I actually pushed him up a little bit in the draft champions that I did where I got he and Gurriel Jr. at uh, 135 and 165 respectively. But I really needed the speed, so I reached out, took Buxton at that high price. I still felt okay about it, though. The way the board was was shaping up, it didn't feel like it was uh, you know egregious in terms of bypassing a bunch of other guys that, that were better than him. And uh, I think Kingery's going to get full run. You know, he might bounce a little bit, but I think he's pretty locked in at third base. If some if something happens and Alec Baum comes up or something like that, maybe he moves to the outfield. But there's going to be playing time there for Kingery. I'm kind of eager to see what he can do. He showed some flashes last year. He is still going to be just 26. And, and um, you know, everyday playing time, that's going to play. The one thing I do like about Philly is their offense. I'm not, I'm not so keen on their pitching, but their offense is going to be good. So I like him. Let's move on to the next group. Aristides Aquino at 164, Willie Calhoun, our guy at 167, and Garrett Hampson, at least our guy from last year, at 174. For me, Aquino is kind of an easy no, and I I don't think his playing time concerns are being put into this price right now. I would tend to agree with you on that. I think that... uh, his price, while it has dropped, it hasn't dropped enough. Yeah. That being said, if it continues to plummet and we start looking at him, uh, you know, in March as a outside the top 200, I'll be willing to take a shot here and there. If, if he gets down that low, yes. Now, I will say Aquino, I took his full draft or his full online championship price at 164. In February alone, it's at 187. So he is dropping. If he continues to sink, like you said, and he goes all the way down into the 200s, I, too, would then get back in, at least take a share um, because of the power. Because the power could be still really good, even in more of a um, you know two-thirds type of role, if not a full-time role. So there is a price. It's not his current price, but it's starting to move down there for Aquino. But as it stands right now, he's an easy bypass. We'll see where he is in spring. He's, well, here— before we move on, in that same Barf League, he went 222. Oh, see, now that that's where it starts to get nice. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's where you stand to our, our good buddy, I think, Doug Thorburn. Um, Miss him. So, yeah. So, I think he is – there are going to be drafts in which he drops a tremendous amount. And while there is obviously uh, – a playing time crunch in Cincinnati, there are paths to playing time. I mean, Jesse Winker has not stayed healthy. Uh, Senzel is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Akiyama is a guy that is very unproven. I mean, right now, they have Josh Van Meter at second base. Like, players can be moved around quite a bit if needed. Oh, yeah. They have flexibility, too. And so... We saw how great Aquino was when he first came up. He then fell apart, uh, so we don't really know who he is yet. And and just because the lasting impression was the the negative one, 
doesn't mean that that's who he is. I think the power's there regardless. So he could go 230-30, and so if you just need some raw power after pick 200, don't be afraid to take a look his way. I I agree with you on that um, with regards to uh, Aristides Aquino, and and his price is coming down, so keep an eye on that. Our boy Willie Calhoun, is this the year he finally just gets free reign over a spot and plays all year? And so, as such, are we taking him at this price? I'm I, I'm taking him at this price or jumping him. I'm totally fine jumping him up a little bit. Let's talk projections then. What what do you realistically see that that Calhoun can do with a full year of playing time, batting in the uh, in the top half of the batting order? Uh, I think he can hit 35 home runs in like 270. Oh, damn, that'd be hot. I, I tend to go a little bit the other way where I think the batting average could really be higher, maybe with a, with fewer homers, but I like your setup even better. I think 35 to 70. I'm thinking more of like 25 to 27, but with like a 295 plus, but I'm open for either. You know, he's a 25-year-old. He's got a good hit tool, doesn't strike out. He's got pop. I'm I'm here for this. What, what whatever it is, wherever the path takes Calhoun as far as the development, I'm I'm in for it. So we're we're buying shares of him left and right without a doubt. Uh, let's move on to our next guy. Then Garrett Hampson, he's back, and like there is <laughs> he never truly left us. That's true. There is a discount compared to last year because we were we were jumping him so high, but it's not near what you'd expect because that damn September is the lasting impact for people's memory. And he was insane. He won people leagues, man. Maybe even some of the people that drafted him, although the the way the fantasy luck works, it was probably the people who were so out on him. And then they picked him up in September, like, oh, I guess I need a few steals. And he hit five homers. It went nine for nine on the bases, hitting 318, 368, 534 in September for Garrett Hampson. Are they going to give him a full-time role in Colorado? Because they're, Stupid, you know. Uh, I think they're gonna give him like a super utility role, which will be enough for him to do some damage. Yeah, that works. That's basically a full time role. When I when I say super util, I'm essentially putting somebody in a full time capacity. Yeah, I, I I would project him for like 450 to 500 plate appearances, and for me that makes him a. 1025 guy uh, with the potential for much, much more. Don't sucker me back in on this MF. I'm back in, baby. You you want to hear you want to hear my mid round picks in the Barf League draft? I'm gonna barf. You're gonna you. All right, round twelve, JD Davis. Round thirteen, Byron Buxton. Round fourteen, Garrett Hampson. Round fifteen, Colton Wong. Round sixteen, Nick Solak. Round seventeen, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Dude, I'm not gonna barf. That's so hot. That's such a yes, uh, sleeper in the bus draft right there. Yeah, I, I'm 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 right back in, uh, especially in the drafts where I can get Garrett Hampson outside of the top 180. Yep. I just if I can get him there, I'm gonna take the shot because it doesn't hurt you in the same way it hurt me when I took him at like 120 last year in the main event. <laughs> exactly. See, not all of my guys got injured. Some of them just sucked. Yeah, some were just crap, and Garrett Hampson was one of them. Uh, but he got up, figured it out, and had a really nice September. We'll see what he can do this year. He could either take over a full-time outfield role or bounce around between the outfield and second base and be that super util. Either way, 
they should be committed to playing him because he he's better than a lot of what they have. So I like Garrett Hampson as well. I'm back in. Can they just teach him how to catch? Right. That'd be amazing. Just let just let let him be catcher. Oh my god, that that'd be Garrett. Come on, get start working with Pudge. Go just go hang out with Pudge or something. I don't know. Um, all right, last three in this group: Lorenzo Cain, one eighty six; Brian Reynolds, one ninety; Nick Senzel, two oh seven. Interesting group there. You got a veteran, um, you know, who's a little bit overlooked after after a tough year for Lorenzo Cain. You got Brian Reynolds, who is overlooked because of his batting, uh, because of what he does. And it's like really a batting average runs type profile on a bad team. Like that's the perfect mix to be completely overlooked in fantasy. Batting average and runs are already overlooked in general, but you also throw yourself on Pittsburgh and it's like, does he even exist to some people? And then Nick Senzel, we've already hinted at the fact that his injury concerns are, uh, are, are front and center right now. We don't really know what's going to happen. So he's tough, but I will say at least the market has properly adjusted because 207 is not a terrible ADP for Nick Senzel. Of these three, Kane, Reynolds, Senzel, who's your favorite? Uh, it's Lorenzo Kane, and I don't think it's particularly close. So you are buying back in on the veteran. I, I've been hearing him get some love, and I totally get it because his price is tanked. So talk to us about Lorenzo Kane and what you think could happen for him in 2020. I think the speed comes back. And if the speed comes back, he goes back to being the 10 or 15 homer guy with 25 to 30 stolen bases. Uh, and you, in, a, in a league, and also the average. Yep. And so now you've got a guy that can hit like 290 and steal you 25, 30 bags. Like, there aren't that many guys that can do that. And this late in the draft, especially if you're looking for speed, Lorenzo Kane is just a really good buying opportunity right now. And, you know, he's got an ADP of 186, and he was the 204th player last year. So, it's you know, it's right around there, um, which I'm okay with that. Like, I, that price is not too bad, even though it's a little bit higher than where he finished last year, because it's not even accounting for a full return. Now, he is 34, but I'm not... I'm not that worried by his age for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe I should be, and I'm just ignoring it. But I just feel like Lorenzo Cain doesn't seem like a 34-year-old. He does miss time somewhat frequently. He only has one full, like, um, more than 150-game season. It was it was in 2017, although he played 148 last year. In today's game, anything over, like, 145 is pretty much a full season. Actually, anything over 600 plate appearances, I would call a full season. Yeah, and and he's had 600 plate appearances in four of the last five years because he bats either you know first or second yep. in this lineup. So he may not be one of those guys that gets you 700 plate appearances because he's gonna miss a little bit of time. But the fact he bats so high up in that good offense uh, means something. And you know the BABIP was you know th- almost 40 points lower than his career average last year. Uh, I think he is a guy that should bounce back and bounce back, you know, decently well. Yep. And when you're getting him outside top 200, I think he's a steal. I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm totally with you there. And so Lorenzo Cain, don't uh, don't sleep on him just because he seems like a boring pick. Sometimes boring picks are the right ones there. And that could be the case for Brian Reynolds. I believe you're a big Brian Reynolds fan. Do I remember that from last year? Were you not hyping him up when he was breaking out? I, I Yeah, I was. You know, former Giants prospect. Uh, I can't remember what trade. Uh, maybe it was the it was Tony Mc- Watson trade. McCutcheon trade, wasn't it? Oh, it was the McCutcheon trade. You're right. Um, like, he's not spectacular at anything, but what he is is he's like your Gallo or Sano pillow. 
Yeah, he's the that's guy a great that you call. pair. He, you know, he's the guy you pair with them to, you know, or even a Malik Smith pillow. Like, he's the guy you pair with someone who has a crappy batting average but gives you the other counting stats you want. Uh, in order, or a Mondesi pillow. Like, he's a perfect Mondesi pillow. Uh, in order to, like, make up for that bad batting average you might get. So, like, and he's going so late, there aren't guys who are going to play as much as he is uh, and hit as high up in the lineup as he probably will, considering how bad the rest of that lineup is. Yeah. Uh, and deliver a really, really nice batting average. And so, especially those of you who don't like putting batting average or play in the NFBC and... You end up taking a guy like Gallo or Sano or Mondesi uh, or Malik Smith, and you're like, oh, I need to make up for that batting average. Brian Reynolds is your guy. Boom, there you go. And we talk about how difficult it can be to find average late. Pick 190 uh, is, is where Reynolds is going on average. I mean, that's really nice to pick up a big batting average asset and I think that there's a lot of believability in what he did even if you don't think it's quite 314 I think a 280 plus mark is is a very safe bet and uh, that's that's adding to your bottom line without a doubt this late in the draft so I'm with you on Brian Reynolds and again we already spoke about Nick Senzel um, are you taking him are you taking Nick Senzel here no what, what would you need about the injury is to- what would you need to hear in spring to alter that that he is going to be ready for opening day. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, and I'm not sure we're going to hear that. I'm not sure we are. So um, it's it's tough to take him. All right. Let's keep moving on here. Now we're going to get into some of the groups where everyone's after, after 280p here. So I'm not really getting into the ADPs um, because you're going to start ignoring that and taking them based on your team construct. So we won't say that about every guy either because we know that that's going to be a driving force. I got the I got the glue guys here. Uh, I got super glue and Elmer's glue. These first guys, you're plugging them in, and they're doing they're doing quality things for you, and you feel really confident about what they can deliver when healthy. And I say when healthy because one of the guys is already injured. That's Mitch Haniger, but it's Jock Peterson, Andrew McCutcheon, Adam Eaton, Mitch Haniger, Alex Verdugo, Justin Upton, Avisal Garcia, Luis Arias, Brian Anderson, Ryan Braun, Noah Mazzara, and AJ Pollock. Mixed bag of what they offer, but you're plugging them into your like fourth outfielder spot, maybe third in some cases, and you know what you're going to get. You feel comfortable with it. Um, let's just kind of run down the line and just get – well, we've already spoken about Jock. Back in L.A., though – well, first off, let me ask you this. Do you think he gets traded elsewhere? Have they already kind of made this bed and, and they now they have to figure out – because they have too many on the 40-man, I believe. Somebody tweeted me that they have 42 on the 40-man – Look. Yeah, I said that last episode, I believe. Uh, they've got 42 on the 40-man. Uh, they're also now over the luxury tax threshold uh, and probably want to get below that. I think he I think he and Stripling both get moved. I, that's super awkward. Right? <laughs> not. Can they go did to you the, see the picture of did you, see, yeah, did you see the picture that MLB tweeted out um, of, like, a bunch of the L.A. superstars and stuff like that? And people are like, we're... Where's Jock and Stripling? Oh, like, no. They're both on both teams. Like, <laughs> Oh, no, I did not see that. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think both guys get moved uh, either in separate deals or, or maybe together. Maybe the Angels come back to their senses. Like, the Angels need this trade to happen. So I'm like, they were giving up conflicting nothing. Conflicting reports, though. I'm hearing conflicting reports that it was Artie Moreno, but then it was also – I'm hearing reports that it was the Dodgers who balked on it. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing both sides of it. But if it was Artie Moreno, 
just own and write the checks. Don't make the because that's such a bad decision to pull out of that deal. That deal was so good for them, dude. It was perfect for them. But I mean, there's there's a number of teams that could use a starting pitcher and a guy who can play first or outfield. Yep. So, like the idea that the Royals wouldn't be interested in a deal or They'll find a the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, like it's just someone get this done. Yeah, just please, please, it's free Ross Stripling. Okay, Andrew McCutcheon bouncing back from injury last year. Um, I'm taking him. I, I'm I'm getting those runs. I think he's going to be perfectly capable this year, unless we hear something else in spring about his knee not being ready, which we haven't heard anything to suggest that so far, then I'm taking him. He's going to lead off in a quality lineup, and I'm right back where I was last year, and I'm getting him even at a cheaper price now. So I don't know if there's anything more that needs to be said there unless you disagree. No, I I love Andrew McCutcheon this year. Okay, Adam Eaton. I'm still upset about Steve Gardner taking him. Oh, I know. We got snaked on that, and that that pissed me off. It was it was absolutely frustrating. Uh, Adam Eaton, if you can get health right, and that's the thing, he basically plays either 150 something games or sub 100. His games played are 153, 157, 23, 95, 151. The last five years, when he plays uh, the 150 something, he's double double with a good average, good OBP, and a boatload of runs. So at this price. You have some cushion if he doesn't play the full season with the upside that if he does, he's also at the top of a good lineup doing quality things. I kind of like Adam Eaton, too. Uh, I don't. I mean, here's the thing. Like, last year was, like, kind of what we expect the ceiling to be, right? I want I want a guy who's got the downside that he does because of his injury history to have a higher ceiling. The The... the the ceiling doesn't outweigh the floor for me with a guy like Eaton. It just he doesn't he's not special enough really anywhere except for his run scored to warrant like the fact that he could play 23 games like he did in 2017. Yeah, but anybody could. So I I don't know that that's like a realistic downside. I mean, anyone could get hurt. So I don't know. But there's so many so many guys in this area that have much higher upside. So give me those guys. Yeah, the guy we just talked about, Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon. Like, well, he's going he's, ahead of him. I like him more, but uh, I don't know okay, that. Let's... I don't know that a lot of these guys have much higher upside. Like Adam Eaton was a top 100-ish player last year with that with that stat line. Uh, AJ Pollock has higher upside. I think. I mean, no, he doesn't. Uh, you don't think AJ Pollock? Well, I guess he's he has. The same I guess he's guy. the exact same player. He's yeah. the same good player. You're right. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I guess. Quickly, while you're while you're <sighs> trying to figure out who else has similar upside or, or higher, Hanniger's already hurt. You take Braun. Um, I I don't mind Braun. Like he's actually pretty interesting as far as somebody who just keeps. You know, he's like Shinsu Chu. He just keeps putting up numbers. Yeah, we love Chu as well. Um, you know, if you haven't had Braun on the team in a while, go look at his stats. You're going to be surprised to see that he just keeps plugging away with quality seasons. 22-11 last year with a 285 average, 70 runs, 75 ribbies. I'm fine if you prefer him, but he's also, you know, what, 35, 36. So he's got a, uh, 32. Oh, I guess I, I thought Eaton was older. Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop to that. One. Okay, he's, he's 31. Yeah, and, age, he's, and this is his age 31 season. Age 31 season. Um, so, you know, 
but I, I like Braun as well, and he is a lot cheaper. So if you do say I'll bypass Eaton to go for Braun, I don't hate that because the price is substantially cheaper. We do need. I'm, I'm going to bypass the rest of this tier for the guys in the Elmer's Glute. In the Elmer's That's what I'm Okay, well, we still need to talk about a few of them, though. Alex Verdugo. Razball loves him. Loves him. Loves I just him. don't understand it. They have, their numbers have, um, and, and their um, park factors love Boston for him shooting the average up. Now, I wonder if they have him batting at the top of the order or seventh, because now roster resources put him down to seven. When he first got traded, they kind of plugged him into that one spot. I don't know that he's going to go there and lead off. I think Ben Benintendi will, because, again, I can't get away from seeing these two as similar. Now, I prefer Verdugo because he's much cheaper, but I see them as, like, the same player. I really do. I, I do, too. And, I, I mean... I, I'm going to stick with the comp that I made probably three years ago with Verdugo, uh, uh, and and that's prime Melky Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy that is probably like a high teens with a you know fun ball, uh, you know maybe low twenties home runs, uh, seven to twelve stolen bases, and like a two ninety average, like. I, I just don't see that much more upside there. So, like, when he's, when people start taking him in the top 100 picks, like, I just can't get around that. Now, I mean, that hasn't happened yet. But, but Razball has influence, gonna... so let's see, let's see what happens. Yes. Let's see what yeah. happens because they, they really do like him. And, you know, they know what they're doing over there. So I'm really eager to see what this does to his market value for Alex Verdugo. Um, if it does shoot, shoot his price way up, then I'm out. But I do want to see if it comes to fruition. But uh, at his price now, like he is a perfect guy to take a, a shot on. Yeah, oh, like, I, even I, at I'll his min pick, all day. like his min picks like one seventy eight. I take that. Like I, I'll take up. that. Sure, you know maybe maybe I'm wrong, and I mean Rudy's one of the smartest guys in the industry, and he does their projections. Exactly. So, uh, like if he's right, and you you know he is. You're getting a hundred picks worth of value, uh, even at his min pick. Then yeah, take the shot. Why not? Yeah, and and we'll see how that price rises. It'll go up at least a bit because of playing time expectations. I was already kind of building in some with with the Dodgers, even though they play uh, they play games with playing time. I was still thinking, hey, he's going to play more this year. But now with Boston, it's free and clear, and he's going to play every single day. Um, outside of an occasional off day for Alex Verdugo. So we'll keep an eye on his price throughout spring. I'm really eager to see how it develops. Justin Upton, about as boring as it gets, but if there's health, I think he gets back to like 30-90, if not 30-100, yeah. to be honest. Yep, I, I completely agree there. And 80-grade name. His last name is very cool because it, it's same yeah, as Kate. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Avisal Garcia, um, he was really good last year. Now he's going to go out to Milwaukee. Can he just repeat what he like? Are you fine with a repeat? Do you see more, less? Like he might not get jerked around as much. Although that seemed to work. Like the playing time management, he kicked butt. 20, he went twenty and ten in five hundred thirty plate appearances with a two eighty two, three thirty two, four sixty four line for Avisal Garcia. Does he do the same in Milwaukee? And if so, are you paying for it? Because that if he does, then that this price is is really fair. I think, yeah, I think he does the same. Uh, and I think the price is fair. I think 2010, 
270 is what we're looking at. Okay. I think that that's, uh, that's understandable. And um, all right, let's continue to move on here. Luis Arias. I'll get into more on him on, at second base because we've got so many guys to cover. He qualifies there. I've explained how I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I've, I've come around on him. He looks like empty batting average. There could be more there. I think at worst, he's batting average and run. So he's at least two categories. There could be a, enough power development there. Not that he would become an asset, but that he won't kill you. But we'll talk more about him down the line at second yeah, base. Yeah, I, I disagree. I mean, we, 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 can, we, we can just tease this for right now, but I am not in agreement with you on, on some of that. Well, that's fine. You're allowed. But he hit 20, 20 doubles in 92 games. I mean, there's a foundation of some punch. And a hit tool that's fully developed like this is a good foundation to develop pop. And I really only need like 9 to 12 homers to make this worthwhile because I'm going to get prime batting average, great runs, a uh, handful of steals, and I'm giving up ribbies and power. But as long as I'm not getting a three home run outing, I'm, I'm okay with it. I got to push back on some of that because where is he going to hit in the lineup? With Donaldson in the lineup now, he's projected to hit seventh. So? So great runs? Yeah, absolutely great. With Sano and Buxton batting behind him? Yeah, that's incredible. Are you kidding that's me? That's the best eight, nine hitters in baseball. I, I mean, he... You right can't now, talk out of both project- sides of your mouth about how much you like Sano and Buxton and now say that they're not going to be assets and drive Luis Arise in. Uh, what do you project? What, what what are you counting as great runs? Because he's projected for sixty nine at his highest with the ATC. It's very, it's very nice. I'm thinking seventy five to eighty <laughs> at this at this price. That's great runs to me. If I get eighty runs uh, at, for somebody who costs two thirty, I consider that great. Okay, I mean, all right, I I can maybe I can I, I think you're pushing it a little bit, but. I can maybe get behind it. He's, like you said, also eligible at second base. And, again, another guy like Brian Reynolds, where at his price, he's kind of the perfect gallo Sano pillow. Yeah, I mean, the dude walked more than he struck out. His contact is unimpeachable. And, um, you he's know. He's projected by Steamer to win the AL batting title. Damn. Like, that's, I mean, that's that's a nice foundation. And, I don't rule out the idea of maybe Jorge Polanco coming back to earth and fitting more as a as a six seven batter and Arise jumping up to the to the two hole. Like I, if that were to happen, no, I'm not betting. I, I, I want to be clear. No, I know, this I know, you're not just betting like on a it, right? that's that's his path to moving up the lineup. Yeah, your question. Then you're talking spare, about a guy though. who can have really great run scored in like the 90 area yes then he's pushing uh, 90 which plus is, at that point i think i would project him for you know 300 batting average uh probably 65 and 65 okay uh and probably like five six home runs see and that, um, that and, you know, that's five six home bases if, if he can push that closer to to nine to twelve range which it's not there right now. He had a 104 ISO. I, I can't sit here and tell you, like, you need to put Luis Arise for 10 homers or you're crazy. I can't tell you that. 
there needs to be some development. One of the comments that that really sold me on him is was um, a comparison to Kevin Newman and how his power developed as he was a big contact, you know, uh, hit tool type guy. And he was hitting for no power in the minors. Then all of a sudden he popped 16 homers last year, uh, you know, with the with the rabbit ball and everything. So if the ball stays the same, it's not impossible for somebody like Arise to all of a sudden start hitting nine to twelve homers. You spent and I and I completely agree with you. And this is a guy. This is the kind of guy we've talked about in the past of that maybe I've had a blind spot too. But now I'm starting to go after a little bit more because I mean you look at his contact percentages and they are off the charts amazing. Insane. 95% zone contact rate, 93% overall contact rate. Like he He's got an O contact rate better than like 85% of the league <laughs> has a regular contact. This dude rate. knows how to handle the bat. So I I'm I'm in on him at this price. I'm going to slot him at second base. And I'm really eager to see what he can do. And, you know, maybe the runs aren't as good as I imagined. But I wonder if the RBIs could actually be sneaked at batting seventh with Donaldson, Rosario, and Garver ahead of it. Maybe maybe I flip it on its head a little bit and say, okay, maybe he is stuck at the bottom here. Uh, but maybe the RBIs are all of a sudden pushing 80 because of how stupidly sick this lineup is. But I'm, I'm keeping a star by him. I'm getting shares of him left and right. I'm taking a shot here on this hit tool, and that's Luis Arise of Minnesota. We got Anderson, Braun, Mazzara, and Pollock. We've already kind of spoken about Braun and Pollock. Brian Anderson's another guy, a quiet, boring type. You know, Miami makes you boring inherently, which is weird to say because the city itself is pretty darn exciting. But being on the Miami ball club doesn't make you particularly exciting. But I think Brian Anderson's a, a – I mean, he's perfect for the glue guy tier because I think you're going to get – I think you're going to push the 20 homers up, though. He got that in 126 games last year. I think there is some upper 20s, low 30s home run potential here. They're moving in the walls. Assuming the ball does not drastically change, I'm doing a little bit of extrapolation here, but give me another 650 plate appearances. I think we're looking at 27 to 30 homers out of uh, out of Brian Anderson. What do you think on that? I think that is in the wide range of possibilities. And I do think Brian Anderson has a wide range of possibilities. I think he could be a guy that uh, does something like that, and then I think a guy, he could be a guy that loses his role. That's uh, fair. Yeah, he, he, yep, go ahead. Miami has added a lot of pieces, which has moved other pieces either to the minors or the bench. They have pieces coming up from the minor leagues uh, eventually. So I think he has upside. I think he has downside. I think he is an interesting guy to take a gamble on. He is a super boring lottery ticket, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does. You know what? It's one of those, um, it's like the the $1 lottery ticket where you're really only expecting to get like the 2 to $3 if you win on it, but, but you could hit. You could hit the big one. And and the big one in this case, I think, would be like 290 and 30. That's dream season. I mean, I'm not projecting that. That's just dream season for Brian Anderson. He's sitting third in that lineup, which, again, Miami lineup, you're laughing, but that, line, that lineup is so much better, dude. VR, Aguilar, Dickerson, they really improved that lineup. And I think Isan Diaz is one to watch out there as well. He was dreadful in his sample, but he's a premium prospect. He's going to get every time, uh, every day run. He's not really going to affect Anderson batting seventh down there, but he lengthens that lineup, and so I like it. So anyway, that's Brian Anderson. And then Nomar Mazzara, I got to ask. I think we've talked about it when he got traded, but do you see any growth? 
I think there's growth potential. But, I, I but don't what's know the likelihood if it's ever... of it finally coming through? Because we've been saying that for years, and I've been on the train, so this is not like I'm not casting aspersions on you. I've been the guy who's like, no, dude, this is the year that he finally hits 30 and, and goes 100. But he's been so the same guy every year. In fact, I wish he'd have hit 20 homers last year just so all four of his seasons had 20 homers. He went 20, 20, 20, 19. 25% chance there's growth. Okay, that's not so, that's not terrible, especially at pick two fifty. Yeah, exactly. I think he's worth the shot, especially in your not like I actually prefer him in your in your fab leagues as opposed to your draft champions leagues because you can get rid of him if he just doesn't do anything. Yes, if he remains bland. Uh, as like hell. I don't want to have to rely on him for a whole season, and in draft champions, you're probably relying him on him as your fifth outfielder. Yeah, because he's going to play for the majority of a season. No, yeah, that, that's, so. that's a great call out. I, I like that. I agree. Take him in your draft like champions. Shallower formats. Event. Yeah, shallower formats, especially like your OCs. Like take a shot, and if he doesn't work out, there's going to be other things on the on the waiver wire. Yep, great call out there on Nomar Mazar. All right, next up is the Elmer's flu. So they're a little bit more. Uh, flawed, but there's still those guys you plug in and you know you're going to get something. John Birdie, Shin Su Chu. Frankly, Shin, Shin Su Chu should probably be in the other one now that I'm thinking about it uh, because he's very much in line with Ryan Braun, so I, I did our boy wrong there. Let's just mentally put him in the super glue tier. Uh, Hunter Renfro, David Peralta, Mark Canha, Will Myers, Randall Gritchuk, Gregory Polanco, Brett Gardner, Cole Calhoun. First things first, can John Birdie steal 25 bases even without a full-time role? Okay, um, are you drafting him? Uh, if I need speed that late. And it is late speed. And uh, my comp for him is Gerard Dyson and Rajay Davis throughout most of their career. They did not need playing time to flex their speed, and I don't think that John Birdie inherently needs playing time to do that. He can bounce around, play at every position pretty much, and just knick-knack at-bats here and there. That's the key, though. The key is he can bounce around every position, and in your 12-team leagues especially, he is the perfect reserve option because he covers a lot of ground for your team yep. for injuries. And, and gives you that So, speed. Yep. So, especially in daily moves formats, you know, grab John Burke. Yep. Chu, we've explained our love for him, so I'm going to move on. Hunter Renfro. Hit 33 homers last year, but it came with a 216 average. We know he's an average deficient player at 231 and 248 the, the two years before that, but 216 is 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 really tough to take. He actually is really interesting in that he greatly improved his defense last year, so he's not some DH-only liability. That's not why Tampa Bay got him. He's actually going to play in the outfield. I know this is your your guy because you're going to take 30 homers and, and try to spike that 248 again, what do you realistically put his average projection at? And do you think he hits another 30 homers for Hunter Renfro? I think he hits 30 homers, and I project 230, and I'm hoping for more. Okay. So, you take that at this price? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I do agree with you. I think he's probably going to play more than he doesn't, though. I mean... You never know with Tampa Bay, but the defense helps with him. Tr yeah, Try, like trying to figure out the Tampa Bay daily lineup makes my ears. Uh, it, yeah, it's like arguing with a crazy person. <laughs> like, ha I mean, at, at some point you have to realize that you're the one who's kind of crazy too, because <laughs> you're trying to figure. Because it you're out. arguing with a yep. crazy person. Yep. Yeah, so trying to I mean, it's team. Yeah, like so. 
like, don't get me wrong, I'm going to have shares of Renfro because I am a bit crazy. Yes. But if you don't like dealing with the craziness of it, don't. Like, just bypass it. There are other guys. And we talk about this sort of stuff a lot. We've, we've talked about it multiple times already in this show. Know your strengths and weaknesses as a drafter. Don't force yourself into players that you don't want to deal with. You know what you can do. You know how you play. If you don't like taking these potential batting average sinkholes, a guy who could hit 216 on you but hit so many home runs that you kind of need to play him, then don't do it. Justin's more than comfortable with that, so you're going to take a Hunter Renfro and run with it, and you're going to spike a 260 one year, and it's going to be really nice because that dude hits the ball so hard that I just think he's one tweak away, just, just a handful fewer fly balls. If he gets his fly ball right down to like 40%, there's a 260, 275 average here because he strikes the ball so well. Um, next up, David Peralta, my peak, my, my my go-to example for years of late batting average. Then he spikes a 30 homer season. His price goes way up, and then he flops on everyone because of injury, which has always been looming overhead for him, um, down to 99 games last year. Now back down to an afterthought. I'm back in, though, because the price is so cheap again and because I can get that late uh, that late batting average with him at 272, I'm back in on the David Peralta train. He's slotted in at four on a solid Arizona offense. Do you share my excitement on David Peralta? I mean, I don't necessarily know if I'd characterize it as excitement. But my interest. How about that? Yes, I'm definitely interested because I think that as long as he's healthy, and I assume because they gave him a contract extension too, yes, three years uh, for three years that he is healthy. Like they're not going to do that for a player they have uh, issue or concerns about his long term health. Yeah, if the shoulder medicals so were a disaster, they would not have given him a three year deal. Yeah. Now they gave him a three year deal at an uh, an annual value that isn't super exciting. So. Uh, I mean, he obviously either took a discount or something. But either way, I think he probably hits a low 20s home runs, and he's back up to about 285, 290 yep. in terms of the batting average. And how many guys that later are you going to be able to say that about? And like you said, he's hitting fourth in a pretty decent lineup, so runs and RBIs should come along with that too. Pair him with our last guy. Go Renfro Peralta for your 4-5 outfield or your 5 and your first reserve, and that's pretty fucking hot. Like I, I can really get behind that as a, as a duo there, so I, I like that. Next up, um, if I just told you his numbers from last year, you'd be like, how the hell is he going this late? But Mark Canha, the market is saying relax, Mark Canha, because uh, you know, despite the 26 homers and the 145 WRC+, plus, the market has him really low, and I understand the trepidation here with the pick 265 on Mark Canha. Are you buying in, or do you share the market's uh, – leeriness of this age 30 breakout i mean i'm a bit leery but at this price why the hell not true i think the market has made it so that we can buy in and feel perfectly fine with it i mean right now i believe he's slotted to play every day yes Uh, he would and i mean he's got he i mean we know he's got power he's shown that uh i mean in Considering he hit 26 home runs in less than 500 plate appearances last year, I mean, even if he just repeats like 24 home runs, like you, you, you got your money's worth, right? Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, he uh, doesn't need to do much to uh, and a possibility to cover for this. more. Yeah. 
Why not? Yeah, I mean, I believe he's eligible at first and outfield, which, which we is always, always love. Yep. Yeah. So like, like, am I like, am I targeting him in every draft? No, but if he's there around what? What? Where is he at? Two fifty something. Uh, yeah, two sixties. Yeah, like, yeah. Why the hell not? Like, I, I came. There's in... definitely guys in this tier I really like as well. So I'm not going to grab him in every draft, but. He, he's definitely going to be a guy that ends up on a few of my teams. I actually just traded for him in that 30-team, 100-roster Dynasty League. Yeah, I, I came into the season being like, you know, I'm not going to get this guy uh, because I think he's going to be too expensive. And now I'm looking at it like, never mind, because he's not too expensive at all, and I'm I'm fine I'm fine to pay for him. So, um, you know, I'm I'm here for this with Mark Canha, even if he doesn't pan out and, and build off of or, or even come close to repeating 2019, it doesn't hurt me. So if you if you like Mark Canha, you're licking your chops because you're getting him at a, at a great price. If you're tepid on him and he just happens to be there on your board, don't be afraid to take him because you're not paying anything close to a premium. Uh, Will Myers, is there anything left in the tank? I know he's been a guy that you'd take the gamble on because of the power and speed there despite the batting average. And it was last year. I mean, 18 and 16, that's those are non, you know, those those are contributions with the 239 average, but the strikeout rate skyrocketed to 34%. Is he still someone that you're willing to bet on? Well, especially after the trade they made. Yeah, with getting uh, Margot out of there. Okay. Yeah, I I think that uh, I I know a lot of people are banking on Franchi Cordero. Uh, and even roster resource has him kind of taking the strong side of the platoon with Will Myers out there. Uh, Fra- what has Franchi Cordero done? Like nothing. nothing. Yeah, thank like, you. I, I thank you. The, the the potential is amazing. I I'm not going to deny that. But dude has never played in. You know, I mean, what he has he has nine. Major League games, 20 plate appearances. Oh, sorry, I, I missed 2018, so 49. Uh, and he's what, he's a career 240 hitter. Like it's, I I think there is a ton of potential, a huge amount of upside. You should grab Franchi Cordero as a guy in your draft champions or even if you want to take a you know last-round pick on him in your 15-team leagues. But there's a chance he does nothing again. Right. I you know I t- I tend to agree with 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 all of that so <sighs> man it's it's tough to see so, but on the Will Meyer side like there's still 2020 potential there we we saw it last year yeah. I mean it was, he was def- almost 2020 he was he was barely um you know a, sh- a, a stone's throw from it he was two homers and four stolen bases away from it so I agree that 2020 is still plausible he's only going to be 29 he's on the right side of 30. I don't know if he played through some injuries because it's weird. He played 140, 155 games, but 490 plate appearances. So that's a lot I of a lot of defensive replacing. Yep. Yeah, so. both with him coming um, in late and being subbed out. So it was the mix of both for Will Myers. So don't get fooled by that uh, by that game count there. Yeah. He was he was a pinch hitter in 25 games. Bingo, because he like he was not starting for periods of time there last year. Now. Again, the Margot trade opens the door back up, and uh, they're paying him. So I know that that's not always the best reason. You know, teams don't always fully grasp the idea of a sunk cost, but 
they're paying him, and he was he wasn't horrible last year. Despite the flaws, he was still essentially average with a 96 WRC plus. Will Myers is going to get an opportunity to see if there's still some juice in the in the tank, and I wouldn't necessarily be afraid to take him here, especially if I'm interested in a power speed combo at pick 280. If if you're in a draft champions, you should pair these guys together. Like you should not draft uh, Will Myers without getting Franchi. Yes, yes. Make sure you're covering that entire spot. That That's a good call out. Uh, Randall Gritchuk. Can he pop 35 homers without without too many ifs? Can he can he just can he just do? I mean, he had 31 last year. I guess that I should have asked a higher question is 40 in the cards. But 35 because 35, he'd only need four more. Now, I guess the real the better question would have been if I'd have realized how many homers he had last year. And not just asked if he could hit four more. The real question is: there a is there a 100 ribby season here because of how good this offense is at the top? I think I think there is. That's the intriguing part. There is that you could get 100 ribbies this late in the draft. He's he's going at pick 279. Yeah. The question is: Will he have a sub 300 on base percentage this year? <laughs> <laughs> the that's, answer is that's the yeah. real question. Yeah, it's such a yeah. I I wonder how how excited the front office is that they still have like another three years left on his deal. Um, but it's, it's like it's after, one after of this one, ten mil per right. Like they signed him for five and fifty. Yeah, so that's we, not, we not know too he bad, can be. I guess, yeah, he can be this league average guy. Randall Gritchuk can and still be worth ten mil. And 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 there's not. He doesn't lack upside. There is still a tinge. I mean, just last year, uh, excuse me, uh, just in 18, he had a 115 WRC+. plus. So, you know, there's still a little juice there that uh, that could maybe be squeezed out of this. And if he's batting five behind the uh, the, the kin four there, Bichette, Biggio, Guerrero Jr., and Guer- Guerrero Jr., whew, RBI opportunities for days. They currently have Shaw penciled in there on roster resource. I think those two will kind of flip-flop. Uh, Shaw probably fits better because it's three lefties or three righties and a lefty at the at the top four. Then you go lefty, righty, lefty, righty to end the uh, to end the row uh, rotation to end the lineup there. But uh, Grichuk will still have plenty of RBI opportunities in the sixth spot there. If I recall correctly, you've been a Gregory Polanco guy along with me in past years, correct? Yes. Yes, we, we. I mean, I know the, we saw that we saw that picture last year of his, oh. you know, him working out and uh, had to pause the podcast for a while and everything. <laughs> I mean, and, we make fun of like uh, best shape of their life, yet we fall for it every year with certain players. It's because it's, it's the guys that we like. I, we I'm, 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 I no, I, I do it with guys I don't like. I'm doing <laughs> it this year with uh, uh, Gary Sanchez. It's like, you know, it, there's every year it happens, and I, you know, I'm like a, you know prepubescent boy and i see something pretty and i'm all oh, oh god, god i've got to have that you're you're, yeah, you're so. a you, you, you're attracted to the shiny to the shininess yeah. of it i now, pick i pick out my car by the color exactly what? we know that uh the price he's now priced to buy so we don't have to acknowledge that 328 whatever but the shoulders a problem and that's why he's so cheap do you still want to take the gamble on Gregory Polanco? And and what are you realistically expecting if he gets, let's say, 130 games? Let, let's 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 lop 32 off right away. If you get if you get a buck 30, 
what do you really think we're getting from our boy Gregory? Uh, I think we're looking at 20 and 7. Something like that. Okay. With like 240, 245, something. Yeah, I, I, it's hard because like there's part of me that wants to go, well, he's going to have a monster season, but like I don't know how much the Pirates are going to let him steal. Yeah. Because uh, of his health. The team around him isn't very good. So, like, how many runs and RBIs can he get? Uh, it's he's you know playing with that bad shoulder in Pittsburgh, which isn't a great place to hit for power, anyways. I, I think I'm done at least for now with Gregory Polanco. If he breaks back out, I'll be super happy for him and the people who drafted him. But it's not going to be me this year. Yeah, I, again, even at the uh, even at the fair price, being so cheap, I, eh, I don't know. I think I just I'll take several of the other guys just ahead of him or, or right around him. And I just don't want to deal with a shoulder. That's not good for power. You mentioned the speed being cut off because they might just not want to risk any potential injuries there. I feel you on all of it. I think we might have finally quit our guy here in uh, in Gregory Polanco. Which means he will break out. He's going to hit 30, 20 home baby. runs. And, yeah, he has steal 15 bases. He's going to hit 285. And we're going to look like idiots. That'll piss me off quite a bit because I've been drafting yeah, that. We'll just delete for, this episode, right? Good idea. Yeah, yeah, good idea. I, I got to be honest. I maybe, I maybe could have thrown Brett Gardner in the in the super glue tier. Um, he's he's in that Mazar, not uh, not Mazar. He's in that Braun Chu range. His batting average is a little bit more uh, on the downside, but he had 28 homers last year. He's got double digit steals every year, including 10 for 12 last year. But he's gonna be 36. I think people are waiting for that shoe to drop. He's dirt cheap. Do you have any love for Brett Gardner at, at his price? I have a hard time with the age, but, I mean, I probably shouldn't. There's just so many pieces there that could get in the way. Um, and there's, you know, obviously so many pieces that have problems that he's got a path to playing time. So I, I don't have a problem with people taking him, but I don't think he's going to come close to what he did last season. I think he's probably more of a, you know, 13-13 kind of guy. Okay. Uh, or maybe even a 10-10 kind of guy. Uh, that being said, he's going to have a role. You're super deep leagues. He should be on somebody's roster. He's just not going to be on mine. Yeah, and I mean, 340 is is a perfectly capable price. I don't know. I just like some of the other guys that are, that are vying for his playing time. If anything goes south with Brett Gardner... He might be a blind spot for me, though, because, again, he just keeps producing every year, and I, for some reason I just don't want him on my team. So I acknowledge that. But he's not going to produce to the like level that I'm going to regret not having Oh, him. no, 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 no. No regrets. So, yeah. But it, yeah. it is capable production at pick 340 without a doubt. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Cole Calhoun jumps out to Arizona. Is he going to hit another 30 homers? You know he hit 32 Absolutely last not. year? 33, excuse I know. me. It's so it he did it so so like, quietly, so quietly. Um, it it like and it wasn't even like he had like a massive like output one month. He like was super just consistent over the course of the season, and nobody fucking noticed. Nope, nope. It was just um, meandering, ho hum. And then you look up, Cole Calhoun has thirty three flipping homers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he obviously took advantage of the lowering of the wall. 
uh, in right field. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be able to do that kind of thing with a humidor in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to have seen a lot of these pitchers moving to the National League. I think he's going to revert pretty hard. Uh, good defensive player. I think that's why they really brought him in. So, But I think he's back to being Cole Calhoun we've all known and I've hated, uh, which is 19 home runs in like a 240 average. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bland if he falls back and doesn't pop another 33. I don't really think there's a reason to believe he's going to. He seems like waiver wire fodder, uh, you know, that late reserve pick, whatever. I'm not really that intrigued by him, so I'm not taking him. Let's move on to our next group here. We still have 14 groups. No, actually, we still have a lot, though. It's fucking insane how. Um, yeah. How, what? So we just pick a couple from each group to yes, talk about? Yes. I mean, I'll. I'll go six more hours. I mean, but I will I do too, but we, we, we do have hours. other things to do. Uh, okay, I broke up the risers into two groups, and we're just going to talk about your your two, three favorites, or, or, or our two, three favorites combined. Risers part one, Austin Riley, Shogi Akiyama, Sam Hilliard, Dylan Carlson, Mike Yastrzemski, Ian Happ. Who do you like here? Uh, I like a lot of I like all of them. <laughs> Who's your favorite and uh, why? Uh, my favorite is probably Akiyama. Uh, he's gonna. He looks like he's gonna lead off for a really, really nice Reds offense in a great park. Uh, has a little bit of power, some speed. Uh, I think he score a boatload of runs, uh, and I think he's going way too late. Okay, I'm, I'm here for that. You know who I'm back in on? Ian Happ. Can't help myself, man. Uh, had a nice little finish to the last year. Talked about going down to the minors, and he was pissed. Worked out some things. Uh, figured figured some stuff out. He's going to have a full-time role coming into the year. I think he's going to be a starting center fielder, unencumbered. And I like it. They've We've currently got him penciled in at seven. I think he could jump up at least a spot to six, um, which, you know, it's only one spot, but it could, it could really help. Hard to really see him elevating much further than that. Of course, you know, when we say that because we we, we – it's hard to really get ourselves in the mind frame of somebody like being a total superstar when they haven't been. But if he plays like a superstar, I do think he'll start to elevate himself up the lineup, uh, him being Ian Happ. So I really like him a lot. And one of the things that like we haven't talked about uh, uh, a whole lot is, you know, we talked about Joe Madden moving from the Cubs to the Angels. We haven't talked about the fact that Joe Madden's leaving, and maybe yep. there won't be as much moving around of players. Maybe David Ross, who is a former player and played with a lot of these guys, will just let his team stay out there, and then there won't be all these double switches or you know changes in lineup each day. We we honestly don't know how it's gonna go, uh, and so Ian Happ might get full run, and then we go from a guy that is projected right now to hit eighteen or nineteen home runs in like 100 to 120 games to a guy who gets to play 140 to 150 and he's like a 25 homer guy with double digit stolen bases yeah i mean i'm i'm really excited about it so i'm I'm definitely taking ian half shares left and right and i want to make sure that uh that i'm not getting trumped on him so i'm going to be keeping an eye on his adp so i can jump it one more guy from here between uh riley hilliard carlson and yastrzemski Oh God, uh, I'm gonna. You know, I, I I'll go. Yastrzemski. I know it's a homer pick, and 
I probably shouldn't be interested about uh, that interested in him. But I mean, did hit 21 home runs in 107 games last year, and is going to be leading off. And there's no one challenging him for the leadoff for his position. Uh, it may be an ugly like I don't think he's hitting 270 again, but I think he could hit 250 and in a full season of plate appearances, hit 30 home runs. Yeah, um, I, I tend to agree. You know, he's a little bit of an older breakout. Yastrzemski is. But he did some good things, and he's he's playing all day. They y'all have some uh, some platoons out there in San Francisco. He's not one of them. I think he's going to be at the top of the lineup playing daily. So I, I'm with you. That's a good call out there. I like him. One last guy here. Uh, when, if at all, you think this year does Dylan Carlson get up? Uh, I think it's probably Juneish. Okay. I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think he's with the first wave. Uh, that comes up, but I think like once the uh, super or the super two deadline kind of passes, so like mid June, then we could probably see him. The Cardinals just still have too many pieces. They do. You know, I mean, especially if they're going to give Tommy Edmond full run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they still have Tyler O'Neill on this team who uh, has a ton of offensive potential and is a fantastic defensive player. Uh, you know, so I just don't see the, the, the true path to playing time. And are you going to, unless you finally decide to cut bait on Dexter Fowler, are you going to bring up Carlson to play every, you know, play three days a week? I don't think you are. I think you leave him down and, uh, you know, make him force his way onto that roster. Yep. I, I would, I would agree with all that. And so, you know, I understand the, the interest and the hype on Dylan Carlson, but Tempered a little bit, folks. I, I I don't know that he's going to be up quick enough to deliver um, to the degree that some folks have him for. Now the price is not currently not yeah, cost prohibitive, is, but yeah, it's not at all. Don't let it get too much higher. Like his min pick is two sixty six. I think you start getting around there. I'm a little I'm a little bit more tepid on it. But as it oh, stands, I, I have his I have his min pick at two forty four. Oh, okay. So that's even uh, that's even crazier. So I'd be careful there. Anything after 300, sure, can't really hurt you, even if he takes a couple months to to get up. But in, like, online championship and main event, I'm not holding a guy for two months. So I'm not taking Dylan Carlson. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it just, you know, I learned this lesson. It, uh, it just hurts your flexibility too much to have to hold a guy like that. Yep. Okay, risers part two. Uh, Trent Grisham, does he have a full-time job? I think he's the strong side of platoon. Okay, that's that's not bad. Uh, Yoshi Tomo Sutsugo, what what does his playing time look like with Tampa Bay? Who knows? So you're arguing with a crazy person. <laughs> Mike Talkman, does he have playing time? Because he's penciled in right now as the starter. Do you believe? Do you believe in that? I do. And are you? I I buying? want all the Mike talk all the Mike Talkman shares. All did of I, them. Did I just get on a podcast with Alex Chamberlain? Yes. Okay, cool, cool. I'm in Hawaii. It's amazing. Oh, nice. That's awesome, dude. Good for you. Kyle Lewis, he had that big flourish at the end of last year with the power. Um, it's hard to really put much stock into that because if, if you if you want to take that seriously, then you have to take the egregious strikeout rate seriously too. So I'm more inclined to just say, hey, it was a fun little flurry. He's got pop. But what is the realistic expectation for the age 24 uh, Kyle Lewis this year? Um, I think that the projection systems are low on him. Uh, and I, I think that while he's definitely going to strike out 
uh, a fair amount. Um, I think he's going to hit for more power than they're expecting. And I think the Mariners have no reason not to just let him go. As long as he's healthy. I think the biggest issue with him and the biggest issue throughout his entire minor league career has been health. 100%. But he showed health last year. Um, If he can get 140 games, I think he's hitting 25 to 30 home runs. I would agree with that. And it might be batting average challenge, but I I think I would take a shot, though. I, I like him. He's very cheap. 350 something for Kyle Lewis. Give me give me a shot. Yeah, he gets hurt. You jettison him off your roster. Yep. Yep. All right. Anthony Santander, Victor Reyes, Adam Hazley. We still have Adam Hazley penciled in as the full time center fielder or, or at least strong side platoon center fielder in Philly. Um, who do you like best out of that trio? Oh, it's Anthony Santander, and it's not even close. You don't like the Victor Reyes it's... speed component? No. Give uh, me I don't Santander. Blame you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think he has a ton of upside. I think he is... Oh, you're really uh, in on him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to hit in the top third of that Baltimore lineup. As which, he should. I mean, obviously... Yeah, I mean, it, which isn't amazing, but he, you know, let's say... Where are we at? We have him batting third um, in, in this lineup. So, I mean, he's going to knock in Trey Mancini a fair amount. You know, when Alberto, you know, is... Uh, uh, hit and lead off. He's going to knock him in a bunch. I think Austin Hayes is going to move up that lineup uh, as well. And then you're looking at a, uh, you know, not, I don't want to even say a decent top five, but uh, a playable top five. Hey, I think he is. They, a, they, well, real quick, they weren't awful in runs last year. I think they were 22nd, uh, the Orioles were. That park, plus some, you know, mediocre talent. Keeps them scoring runs, at least at a decent clip. Despite being one of the worst teams, it's their pitching and stuff that really does it. It's not the fact that they can't generate any offense. So that's worth pointing out. That's a good call out. I think he can go I, – I, I think he can hit 30 home runs in a, in a full season's worth of play appearances. I really do. Um, I think it'll come at like a 250 batting average. But considering where he's going, I think he's worth. I want Santander as like my fifth outfielder or a reserve pick in my fifteen team league. Okay, yeah. So twenty five year old hit twenty homers in just ninety three games last year. Probably went under the radar. Could be a nice accumulator for you uh, as your fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh outfielder, depending on how you're constructing your team as well. Um, and yeah, Victor Reyes is going to run a little bit, but nothing else. And then Hazley, I'm really eager to see what happens with him in spring because, like I said, he is being penciled in as the starting center fielder uh, against left, or excuse me, against righties for the Phillies. But he's going to be batting eighth. I don't know, but he is so cheap that if he's playing a, a strong side platoon, I could look at him. All right, last chance saloon. Pick your favorite non-Teoscar Hernandez guy here: Brandon Nimmo, Jesse Winker, Teoscar Hernandez. Jose Martinez and Domingo Santana, you know, they got to either push up or or, or just kind of be their bland self. Like, it's the last chance to really say that there's any upside with these guys. Who do you like most? I know it's Teoscar, but who do you like besides him? No, it's Domingo Santana, baby. Oh, okay. So he uh, signs with Cleveland. Well, that, yeah, if he gets a full-time playing role, uh, sign up. And I, I also really like Brandon Nimmo. Um, I do too, actually. He's, he's probably going to lead off for the Mets, who've got a pretty good lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Santana's got power. He's got speed. Y- you know, I mean, he got off to an extremely hot start and then cooled down last year. Uh, but we- we've seen a 30-15 season from him. He was 21-8 last year, 
and he does it with like not that bad of a batting average. 253 last year uh, in 2017 when he had the huge season, it was 278. Uh, so. I think if he can get a full-time playing role, there's no reason he can't duplicate what he did last year. Yeah, and um, like I said, Domingo Santana signed with Cleveland. I think that's to play. So, um, you know, we, we've talked about how their outfield is deficient. Did did that officially go through yet or no? No, it, he has not signed. Okay, pardon me, pardon I me. I, th- I thought that was... There was a rumor. I thought that was uh, locked that and loaded. Know. So uh, that is not done yet. We'll see if Domingo Santana signs there. That wouldn't be a bad fit for him, though, because as we know, they've got they've got room. Yeah, he's nearing a deal, according to Paul Hoynes of the of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. We'll see if it goes through. Uh, all right, continuing on here, what you see is what you get, and pretty obvious on this group: Kevin Kiermaier, Kevin Pillar, Ender Inciarte, Stephen Piscotty, Garrett Cooper, Jackie Bradley Jr., Jason Hayward. If you were to tab one of these guys to be a top 200 player for the year, because they're all going much later than that, who would it be and why? Ender and Ciarte because he's got speed. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good team. So, I mean, obviously Nick Markakis is 170 years old. Uh, they could easily, you know, just, you know, or platoon him. And I think even if he just became a stolen base guy off the bench, he could do like a Raji Davis type thing. So I think uh, NCRTA is a cheap speed option for late. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's completely fair. I was really excited about Garrett Cooper until they made all the signings and they kind of pushed him to the bench. But, but hey, things come up. If he starts to get playing time, I'll be, I'll be back in. Not sure that's this top 200 player. I kind of like your pick because of the speed. That's a good call. Kevin Kiermaier, if he could ever stay healthy, would also fit that for a similar reason because he does have speed. Uh, let's go to the late power section here. It's a deep group. Tyler O'Neill, Yoannis Cespedes, Dom Smith, Clint Frazier, Steven Souza Jr., Hunter Pence, Alex Dickerson, Kristen Stewart, Jay Bruce, Jalen Davis, and Jordan Luplau. Um, Give me two favorites here. Uh, Cespedes and Stewart. Okay. Though the, both of them are close with Tyler O'Neill. Uh, Cespedes, if he's healthy. I mean, we've seen what a healthy Cespedes can do. We just have no idea what we're going to get from him coming off the heel injuries. Uh, Christian Stewart, like, I think people forgot, like, what kind of prospect he was, like, hey, a season ago. I was tabbing him for 30-plus homers last year. It didn't come to fruition, but yeah. I'm not running I'm not running away from that this year. I still think Complete that's possible. Complete post-hype guy. Yep. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I think he probably, uh, I mean, he had 10 home runs in 416 plate appearances. I think he could hit 25 in a full season. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely struggled, but, I mean, it wasn't like he was striking out 35% of the time. It, you know, he's just got to make a little bit better contact. And despite that, oh. despite his wretched defense, he should play virtually every day yeah. for Detroit. Like, there's no reason there's that no Chris reason, Stewart shouldn't yeah. be playing. So I think yeah, there's some I, real I, power I, upside there. So, yeah. And, I mean, he's a – he's been, or at least in the minor leagues, he's been a very strong OBP guy. So on base percentage leagues, I mean, he was like he, – he, he was anywhere between like 12 and like – 15% walk rates in the minor leagues. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, don't don't sleep on Kristen Stewart for the Tigers. Playing time's king in those deeper leagues, and this is a guy who should be playing. Um, you know, th- this guy got kind of trumped by the recent signing of Hunter Pence. It, it's really going to push Jalen Davis down. But I think time will come that he gets an opportunity at some point this year. And I'm kind of intrigued by him. He was a pickup, I believe, 
was it for Sam Dyson? Um, that that the Twins gave up. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Um, it was Sam Dyson, yes. And so Jalen Davis came over from Minnesota, and he's got he's got an interesting profile. Like he, he's a pretty decent hitter. You know, he was a prospect of some acclaim. He hit 35 homers last year with 10 stolen bases across double and triple A. So he wasn't just leaning on the uh, on the triple A ball, uh, nor was he just leaning on the PCL because he did it across the International League and PCL. So, you know, there's some punch here. Um, I think an opportunity can eventually creep up. You know, Alex Dickerson's up and strong side of the platoon. But health has been an issue for him. Hunter Pence is still going to be 37, so there's no guarantees there. I did mention that I like Yastrzemski and think he's going to hold a role. But there's still two spots there where Jalen Davis could figure his way up and get into the uh, into the lineup there. So keep an eye on him. I like him as a draft champions guy and maybe a dollar or reserve guy in NL only as well. Uh, anybody else that you desperately want to say something about in this late power group? All right, late speed, Manuel Margot, Delano DeShields, Josh Rojas blocked eternally. Billy Hamilton, which, I bought, by the way, I forgot that's another block on, on Jalen Davis. So it really has to be deep 50-round uh, uh, draft and hold right now. Uh, Raimel Tapia, Greg Allen, Jake Fraley, Gerard Dyson, Jacoby Jones, Ramon, Roman Quinn, and Tim Locastro. Um, give me give me two, two names that you would actually draft here. I mean... I feel like Margot got traded for for a reason. Yeah. I mean, they traded their closer, right, for for Manny Margot. So you would hope that means that they're going to give him a shot to get, you know, somewhat full playing time. Yeah, not just like short side platoon. Yeah, but, you know, arguing with a crazy person. So, like, I'm going to take a shot on Manny Margot because uh, I'm crazy. Yes. Uh, But, I mean... Have we forgotten that he was like a top 10 prospect a few years ago? That's what I'm saying, man. The people that are against this trade because they're they're so boned up on Pagan, I think you're forgetting, you know, he's Margot's 25. Like that he's not devoid of talent here. I'm with you on that and I'm with you as he's my top pick of this group as well and he's a bit of an I mean, afterthought. He wasn't He wasn't that bad last year. I mean, the average sucked, sure. But he had 12 home runs and stole 20 bases. How many guys did that? Uh, let me see. I don't. I don't know. Not that many. Not as many as you would think. What would you put Especially the number the at? Twenty by stolen the way? bases. I bet you. I bet you there weren't fifty guys who stole twenty bases last year. Oh, I so, definitely agree with that. Let me look that up for. I bet oh. you. I bet you. I'm going to say forty-four guys stole twenty bases last year. All right. Let's take a look. Oh, not even close. Fifteen guys. Oh yeah. You looked. You, you, you looked it up very quickly. Oh wait. Well, that's qualified. Oh no, it's he only twenty. So he wasn't qualified. Twenty-one, even if you take unqualified. You, okay. You just do zero so plate appearances. It's only twenty-one guys that had twenty-plus SPs. Yeah. So like, and I mean, that's one, a pretty still. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of them had fewer than twelve homers too. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot on Manny Margot. I think there's still some upside there. Uh, another guy, I mean, Jacoby Jones is going to play, right? Yes, he so, should. I kind of prefer Victor Reyes to him, but they're, they're, they should both play a decent bit for the Tigers. Although they did just sign Cameron Mabin, like, as we were doing this. Oh, pod. did they really? Yes. 
So that's going to cut into one of them. I still think Stewart and Maven are going to hold the corners, and then Reyes and Jones are going to fight for center. Do you know how old Jacoby Jones is? Um, Like 25. You might be asking because he's older, but I'll I'll go with what I was originally going to say, which is 25. But the reason you're asking, I think, is older, so I'm going to say 29 as a backup answer. Yeah, he's going to be 28 uh, this year. Um, I actually thought he was older than that. <laughs> oh, you thought? He, I, I, yeah, I was going. I was going the other way there. I thought it feels like he's been in the league forever. But uh, you might just be thinking of the football player. Yeah, that could the, be the a punt returner of the same name. So yeah, you know, we'll see who wins that job. Right now, uh, roster resource has Jones with it and Reyes to the bench. Basically, whoever wins that job, you could take for some late speed. That that's really kind of your answer there. You kind of figure that out. Uh, um, Greg Allen. Delano Shields, one of them is going to play. Stay tuned in spring training for that, and and they should be some cheap speed. And then um, I don't know that we really need anything else here. Last group, the lottery tickets. The, the, my boys, all the guys I want on my team. Justin's favorite players: Harold Ramirez, yep. Lewis Brinson. Uh, for some reason, I listed him twice. And the second time I played, I know that's I love it. <laughs> I love it so much that you listed it twice, and then the second time you wrote "LOL Lewis Brinson." <laughs> That's the right one, Derek Fish. Yeah, leave that one, please. Jared Oliva, uh, Josh Naylor, Matt Beatty, and Bradley Zimmer. Now we know you love Bradley Zimmer, but go yeah. ahead and actually let's talk just, about him for a moment. Let's just drop down to the bottom of the list because those are the two guys I care about. It's Bradley Zimmer and LOL Lewis Brinson. You're not still in Wisconsin, um, are you? Why not? Why the fuck Give me would the you tools. Be? No, he doesn't have any. The only he does tools have we have them. are in his garage, dude. That guy has no tools. <laughs> the hell are you talking about, dude? Oh, what are you talking about? What in 81 games last year, he in 81 games last year, he hit 16 home runs and stole 16 bases, hit 270, 361, 510. In triple. Now, he did that in, at triple A. Yeah. Fucking deal. Like, he shows, like, he still has talent. There's talent there. He doesn't, man. 709 plate appearances of a 44 OPS. That's so aggressively bad. Like, you can't find comps for that. And (laughs) the ones that you find that are close to that. I've seen you at the batting cages. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Me. I miss comp. Great. But like you, you really you can't really find comps for that. And the ones that are close, there is no hope. There is no hope for the guys that have done anything close. Like I couldn't find a sub fifty OPS plus for that many plate appearances. So I had to bump it to sub sixty. And the guys were Jason Tyner, Ronnie Cedeno, Michael Saunders, and Jacoby Jones. Hey, Michael Saunders had a good year. He was <laughs> the only one. I, I wrote that down next. Saunders is the best case scenario. He did have a three-year stretch with a 111 OPS+. plus. He's got more power than Brinson had, though. Dude, I don't know, man. Like, I get that the price is nothing, but it's nothing for a reason because he's nothing. He's bad. Oh, wow. You're better off going with your Bradley Zimmer love. I, I definitely love Bradley Zimmer more, but I do have some shares of Lewis Brinson Jeez. in some draft and holds. <laughs> Why not? He's like he is going undrafted in online championships. As he should, just as he does, as he should. I'm not disagreeing with that. What's his ADP in, in draft champions? Seven thousand. Hang on, I'll look. I'm, I'm on. I'm on online's right now. Hang on. 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'll talk about Bradley Zimmer while you look okay. up that. Yeah, so give us some uh, well, give us some in, in injury info because that's what we're waiting on. Is he going to be ready to go? I believe he is. Uh, the last I saw, it looked like he was going to be healthy heading into spring training. I will double-check that while you are checking out uh, the... Um, Five, uh, 600, 600 ADP. Yeah, so it's like it's nothing. Like it's, it's I know, one I, of your last I, I picks in the DC. I grant that, but it should be nothing because he's terrible at baseball, which is weird because wow. it's actually his job. Wow. I mean, there's no reason to be interested in this guy, dude. I I disagree. I think there is still raw talent in there, um, and I, I'm I'm still gonna. I'm, I'm going to take the shot. Like, it may turn out to be nothing, Locked but talent. what have I invested? Nothing. Yeah, but so, sometimes I mean, like, just because the guy costs nothing doesn't mean that that he's he's worth taking the gamble on. And I think that's the case with Brinson because I just don't at, see it. At, at worst, the Marlins could turn him into a draw Dyson. Maybe. Like, he's got speed. Like, his sprint speed is 97th percentile in the league. Like, at worst, he is a base-stealing threat if they just... It may be that he cannot hit, and he oh, turns I, I into... Think, I think it is ...a that. pinch hitter. He, he turns into a pinch runner type guy that can steal 20 bases off the bench. Yeah, but you're not playing a pinch runner, dude. E- even, even somebody who, you know, would steal the bases because they put him in that situation, like... How can you confidently play him even as a fifth outfielder then? You can't. I'm, yeah, I know. You like, can't. I'm, I'm not giving up. Stop it. Okay. Zimmer. Um, um, so if he's ready to uh, go, I think there's actually still some hope here because his issues have been completely health-related and nightmarishly so, though. Like, he cannot stay healthy. But if we can get that health, what can we realistically expect out of the 27-year-old? I mean, he finished the year on the field, so I'm assuming Which we always he like. should be. Yeah, he should be fine, and I don't believe he had any off-season surgery or anything. So he should be heading into spring training with like a full off-season of, uh, um, you know, of prep stuff. I think he. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to project this, but I still believe he has the talent to be the 1530 guy that. Oh, dang. I thought he was coming up through the minor leagues. That'd be hot. Obviously, that would require full health, and uh, and, and you know playing the time. playing time would be there though. I think if that health is in in place, Bradley Zimmer. I mean, we've talked repeatedly throughout this episode about the Cleveland outfield and how they don't really have players out there. Even if they did sign a Domingo Santana, that was that wouldn't do anything to undercut the potential of Bradley Zimmer playing, because you know they put Santana in left. They're still right field. Like Greg Allen's not blocking a healthy Bradley Zimmer out. So, uh, yeah, dude, I I'm I can still get in on this one. I just I can't with the uh, with the, with the Brinson. I just I can't do it. His career games played is 144 games played, 10 home runs, 22 stolen bases, 230 batting average. That's Zimmer, right? Yeah, yeah. that's Zimmer. Like, why can't he do that? Hey, if he gets full time playing I'm, time, I'm, like in- I'm with you, man. Considering where he's going, which I'm sure is outside the top 500, uh, that is totally fine. Like if he would to, were to do that, you way got 
your value mm-hmm. out of a you know outside top 500 pick. Correct. No, I'm 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 on board with the Zimmer pick for sure. My guy, as far as these uh, these lottery tickets go, another guy I mentioned, Garrett Cooper, getting uh, sidelined there by the moves that they made, which I liked, but they did they did hem up my guys, Garrett Cooper and Harold Ramirez, who I do like. Um, he could come up though. He could take Brinson's spot. If Brinson does fail again, and spectacularly so, I think Ramirez, while he is a little bit challenged in center field, I think he would be the beneficiary there to jump into center field and take that take that opportunity. Um, if maybe Birdie, but uh, I think I think Ramirez could be more of an option there. So I'm I'm intrigued by him, and a guy we saw at the Arizona Fall League that I really like, Jared Oliva, for the uh, for, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, should get an opportunity relatively early into the season and he has speed to burn and even a little bit of uh, emerging punch so i'm i'm eager to see what uh what he's got uh, he's, he finished the season in double a but then went to the fall league and that's always been seen as a finishing school and he is gonna be 24 this year so i don't think he needs that much time in triple a before he could be knocking on the door there in pittsburgh and if they continue to move pieces and they move, you know, maybe Gregory Polanco shows health early, hits the ground running, and they move him in in late April, early May or something. Boom, that would open up a door. I know that's not usually when trades happen, but I do think there's going to be avenues for Jared Oliva to come up and start playing relatively early into the season. Plus, they have Gerard Dyson as their penciled-in center fielder, so... I mean, yep, I completely he, could, agree. he could take that spot. So, I like Jared Oliva. Anybody else in the lottery tickets, or are we are we done? Uh, Derek Fisher is probably strong side yeah. of the platoon. I was actually going to mention him, so I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up. So. In Toronto, we've we've spoken well of that lineup. He'll be toward the bottom of it, but he's got a little power speed, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he could be like a double double kind of guy. Yep, it's going to probably come at the cost of some batting average, but uh, he's also a guy that's shown double digit walk rates, you know, throughout his major league and minor league career. So on base percentage leagues. You, you know, you're deep on base percentage leagues. Like, he's a guy that uh, ATC hasn't projected. 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 311 on base percentage. So, on base percentage doesn't kill you, and that's some counting stats. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on it. And he's at least getting the strong side platoon, as you mentioned, Derek Fisher is. And maybe he takes over more if if he shows, shows out against lefties. But even a strong side, that can get you to the 500 plate appearance mark. So uh, that's a good call out there, and we're going to end it on that. We told you it was going to be a long one to make up for the fact that uh, we had some technical issues on the first part, but uh, we did it. That was a lot of fun, and it was great talking with you on that. We will be getting into starters next week, and we'll have two parts for that as well, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. So great talking. Should, should we get Nick? Should we get Nick to join for that one? Oh, we could. We could get him first, or at least for one of the yeah one of the parts for it. Yes, we could. Because this will be a three-parter, I'm sure. Uh, at least two and possibly three. I agree with that. So we will definitely look into bringing Nick on and discussing some starters with him. But, Justin, great talking with you, and uh, we'll catch up next week. Take it easy.